Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies. I <laughs> the show where we try to talk about movies, but we end up talking about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is Don McLennan. To his left is Shan Coyle. But in the immortal words of Yoda on his deathbed, spoilers, Yoda dies. There is another. And that other is Tom Hearn. Yeah. <laughs> Our G-Lux. live musician for the week. <laughs> G-Lux edition. <laughs> hey, everybody. What's hey, going on? Actually, we've, we've changed up the seating arrangement. It's through me a bit. I, I kind of <laughs> like it. I, can, I, I feel like I'm more in control of the podcast. Right in front of the microphone right. now. Speak into the microphone, squid brain. <laughs> yeah. I got it's nervous every single <laughs> <Every one. laughs> We have to crowbar on every single one. Okay. okay. I kind of got nervous before this one because I realised, fuck, there's actually people listening to this one. This is going out there. It's going to shape myself before I'm just leaving it out there for all they see. Yeah, fuck it. Warts and all, mate. Love, love. Look, before we start recording, too, Colin says that jingle. By the way, Right, and if you like that jingle, because we're going to try and all, like a different one every single week, but it does sound like like you're saying Cigarelli Championship, some fucking really uh, retro Cigarelli Championship. <laughs> Gamer ready. <laughs> so, what y'all drinking, guys? Let me stop asking this. No, I'm, I'm making you change. Do you know what? Just exclude me from this question every week, because again, it is... Pepsi Max and right. Dawn isn't drinking anymore, and if you want to be excluded, it's just been me and Heron. And John's, it, Dawn's just drinking the ether, baby. <laughs> drinking the life. ether. And sucking it right I don't in. know if you've noticed, but every week I'm just vodka and some other kind of fruit juice. Yeah, see, I'm just gonna have to mix it up with like my mixer because it's always gonna be vodka for me. Like I'm not gonna fucking switch up. Well, it brings us to danger bottle. You know what I mean? Yep. This is a new feature that we've got like every week. It was it was Colin's idea, wouldn't you know? But we've got uh, a danger bottle every <laughs> single week. Essentially, we we go into Tesco or any other you know high street supermarket, whatever. We're not um, sponsored by Tesco. We're not sponsored by Tesco. We bring them up all the time. But we don't go to Tesco and do this. But uh, we 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 pick a, a bottle at random, something new every week that we we've never tried before. And this week we have. Let's see. What is it? What do we got there? The Chuda Rose. Chuda Rose. It is a 13 percent sherry, and it was four pound. <laughs> That's the real reason that we bought it. Four of your English pounds. Well, wait. You should define. You should put put out the right, definition here. of danger bottle. Here, what's the description? Here? No, but uh, the the term danger bottle. The definition of right. danger bottle is. I'll leave Aaron. that to you, sir. Our uh, definition of danger bottle is uh, we don't know, we don't have the first clue what we're buying, but we have a price tag of five pound or less. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the one thing we do know. But sure, who's taking all those boxes? All shapes and sizes come under that bracket, like. But uh, let's do. Uh, what we say uh, a John Hurt reading of the description here. Tudor <laughs> <laughs> Rose Cream is a quality British. Wine produced in the highest standards. 
Tudor rose cream has mellow, full body taste. The perfect drink with which to relax. <laughs> it's kind of a boring fucking definition or description, <laughs> sorry. Any drink a little that. I was expecting someone kind of out there. Yeah. Well, even better. <laughs> so you, you, you cracking open it now? Can we all have a sub yet? Will we get a sub yet? Yeah, we're going to go in. Wait, you might have to let it breathe. No, it's four pounds now. You breathe it on, we might fucking die of right. fumes in here. Right. Right, uh, we, we say this is going to be a new feature every week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is going to be wrote off very quickly. <laughs> we see how this week goes. Depends how this sub goes, in fairness. Right, I'm going to give it a go. Uh it's, it, I don't know. It, it doesn't taste like what I. It doesn't taste like sherry. I actually don't even think it is sherry. Uh, well, I, I am not a sherry. Well, it's not, it, it, it actually bad. does. It actually does. It's, it's, <laughs> it does it's, say wine at the very bottom. It's surprisingly light. But sherry is wine. But thirteen percent wine should be sherry. But no, it shouldn't. It's, like, it's, it's refreshing. Lovely. It's lovely. I'm gonna get like, that again. It's like fruit juice. Should have rose. You heard it here first. Is it Tesco's Buckfast? I can't taste. It could be. Should have rose cream. It's not creamy though. The cream of some young guy. It does say British wine. How we sit there, though. Well, it's called Chitter. Oh, Dom, back on the bottle. How long has it been since you had your last drink? Two weeks. Oh, good, well, that's been fucked now. It's, <laughs> it's like your boy from Father Ted. He's going to have a sub base on that. Bastard, do this to me! Sack me! Okay. Anyway, yeah, let's fucking start the show properly. Well, Harry's nice, fucking delish. I'm going to get that again. Fs. It's just nice for a It's Tesco's Buckfast. It is, pretty much, yeah. But there's no caffeine in it, so... Ah, fuck. Commotion, I lotion. Roof <laughs> <laughs> <Rough> juice. <laughs> Wreck of juice, as they say. Anyway, <laughs> let's, let's right. fucking start. Put the battle front and centre here. <laughs> hey, everybody just swing away, Jern. Um, <laughs> I'll take it off myself. <laughs> fuck off, Rezzy. Uh, so, have you watched anything this week? Uh, oh, I, I watched Mad Max. We yeah, talked about it last week. It's fucking class. It's, it's really fucking good. Uh... What I really liked about it is that it's got like the fucking energy of about 20 action films rolled on the one and just that momentum was just pure chaos non-stop. But the fact that like George Miller is able to like craft these characters and you care about them, considering he is reintroducing them after such a long period of time, mm. it does that through all this chaos with like kind of no dramatic quiet scenes at all. There's like one that lasts for about two minutes, like a breather in the middle <laughs> and you're fucking I think like, I have fuck. wondered, is the batting... He's not the same character from the first man. No, he's, not, he's, I think he is. He's not, no, because it's, it's Toe Cutter in the first one. And then this Does one's Toe Cutter get his ticket points in the first one? I'm sure he gets his fucking eyes good. It's, it's Immortal Joe. It's Immortal. I actually no, I checked this out. It's Immortal. It, Immortal Joe, not Immortal. It's Immortal? It's Immortal. I checked the oh, MDB page. Check oh, it it's all. It's a fucking spell mistake in IMDb. IMDb said that J.J. Abrams produced fucking Iron Man 3 one time. And uh, so that's, that's, that's what you'll be falling top of them. <laughs> <laughs> the whole <laughs> empire comes crumbling <laughs> down you know, like, after these revelations. No, but uh, I only be offline. In no, minutes. <laughs> I remember it was at work. I mean, for him, was researching that. It was. It wasn't. It was just on another job, and he, he was. Uh, he was saying, "I oh, know JJ Abrams. I know he, he he directed Iron Man and all that there." And I was all, "He didn't." Iron Man Three. He's all, "He didn't." So it says on IMDb as well. Trust me, he didn't. Shame Black wasn't it? Shame Black was Iron Man Three. Yeah, it was. It was actually really good. Uh, well, I have to like because the second one's bad. But anyway, yeah, Mad Max. Like I was saying, uh, it was just a unique watch. But what I really liked about it is that it's kind of bringing back. We were talking about it a few weeks back that sort of uh, that eighties nostalgic feeling. It's got the, the, the sort of aesthetic of an eighties film, but then it's it's being more it's being presented in a more polished sort of way because uh, obviously of the, of the the modern fucking filmmaking techniques. Uh, another thing that I really like we were talking about last week was the kind of feminist thing something that you would never attach to like a Mad Max film considering yeah. it's like 
basically a, a recreation of like your 80s kind of bravado macho fucking did, films. Did, did you get my semi point where somebody could kind of mine bits where oh, it is sexist though? Yeah, yeah. It, there's minor bits. Yeah, small wee things in like there. Like if you're really looking for it, you could find it, but you could say it about anything. But I think you, you definitely just have to respect it, even the attempt on it because it was just really refreshing yeah. to see. Uh, one more point about it is that you are right. Like Mad Max is kind of like he's like a point of view character. He's not. He's like a kind of decoy protagonist. You would say he's like a, you know it is definitely Furious' story that drives yeah. it through. Uh, and then the other thing I watched this week was Tomorrowland, and like obviously we watched the trailer. Disappointing. Yeah, I was really, really let down with right. what, what I've heard about Tomorrowland is that it's a kids' film and it kind of presented itself more as like a family friendly, like for everybody. It, kind I of probably ah, doesn't. you say that? Doesn't push you too much? Really, I wouldn't even really say it as a kids' film. I mean, it's obviously it's aimed at kids, but I think like obviously teenagers, adults can enjoy it too. I would say but probably I mean, more in no, a family bracket. You know, way like like Pixar films, they're kind of they're they adults love them and then they're kind of kid friendly yeah. as well. Kind of. I'll make one point about Tomorrowland. It's that. Obviously, it is fucking cold, mm. Tomorrowland, and you think that the whole film is going to take place in this really fucking, you know, mm. this class setting. And I think that was the, the major shell of the film, if you want to see this place and how far Disney will go with. You've been specifically for Maz, though, because they're taking away and Wayne's all enjoying it, and then Clooney's there, and the Maz all, what a dish. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, fucking, in, you don't actually spend any time on Tomorrowland. The whole film is building up to get into Tomorrowland and then when you get there you're there for about 15 minutes that was really underwhelming oh really? aye that's fucking oh, that is a bit I mean obviously it's again, basically there's a build up to them getting to Tomorrowland oh, they're right, in yeah. the real world right. and you see a couple of flashes of Tomorrowland here and there but it's right. mostly them just kind of fucking running away from these agents who've been sent to kind of punch their ticket so right. then by the time you get there Tomorrowland's all sort of fucking run down and it's got this really the, the message it's trying to get across is you know it's good <laughs> it's like being creative and stuff like that you know trying to Follow your dreams and all this shit. Just but imagine a Marcus and they were having a conversation and the, and, and the dead world there in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> this is what the real world looks like now. Just pass it over. Been there to get knocked over by a big mad bit of guns coming. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Another thing too, uh, which is kind of surprising for Clooney, who's fucking obviously maybe the most charming man on earth, the most eligible bachelor, like you were just saying. Is it's it not a bachelor. Oh fuck! I got married. Anyway, that's besides the point. Yeah. But one down. Another one fucking hooked on. But he, uh, he comes across as kind of a dick. His character's really not likable whatsoever. Um, and I mean, like, it's not even like off oh, fair play to Clooney because he, he's going against Type or what you'd expect him. But he's just kind of dislikable. He comes across a bit of a pompous bastard. Mm. But I don't like it. So, mm. your films? Uh, I watched Gattaca this week. Ah, Netflix show? Oh my dick. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've had a tape for two weeks and I still haven't yeah. watched it. I've had it on my list on Netflix for months I, I, and I still haven't watched it. I keep watching sections of it, I just mostly fucking sit down and watch it. Uh, I, meant, I meant to look up the director's name, they talk about him, but I, right, it was the same director as In Time, and I'd seen In Time before, and I uh, actually enjoyed In Time, even though it's a better premise than it is a film about like time as the currency and all that. And yeah. The rich live forever and the the poor die young and all that kind of guy. Mm. And it's this kind of similar premise, but it's to do with genetics in Gattaca. And uh, so as soon as you're born, they test your blood and say, oh, you'll probably live to about this age. You have 90% chance of getting heart disease, 50% chance of getting Alzheimer's and all this here. So if you are if you have low percentage of like all getting diseases and all, then you're the elite of society. And I can call it, I would fucking hate to hear my reading. <laughs> <laughs> 100% oh, chance you, of heart attack. You would have lived about 105, but you smoke and drink. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so you're going to be dead by like a fortnight. You're, you're, uh, you're, you're dead. It's my last Tuesday. podcast, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Tuesday. See you after. This is basically Shan Coyle's wake. Shan Coyle, <laughs> signing off. 
<laughs> Over and out. <laughs> but yeah, so it's Ethan Hawke's main character, and uh, he he's genetically unpure, and then his his brother is is part of the elite gotcha. kind of thing. I think, I think they're called like valids and invalids or something like that. Aye. But uh, oh, but uh, he he always had this dream about going into space, so he comes up with this plan that fixes genetics and all this kind of crack. So. Uh, Sorry, what do you what do you want? I'm asking Bryce. I was trying to be I was trying to be quiet about it. I've seen a three completely off your point. Apologies, Mikey. I was trying. That's exactly what I was trying to get away from. I was trying not to distract you, and I fucking stalled on it. I was signaling the the, the column. They passed me some ice. Yeah, just, and just passing the whole bucket. Yeah. Look at the fucking size of these ice shards. That's a fucking ice dagger. Stalactites, my friend. Jesus Christ, Titanic wouldn't get a look on. <laughs> fucking hell, there two seconds of follow up. I'm sorry about this, Mikey. Continue on with your point. Um, yeah. you should go and just. Uh, to the sea and just, uh, just fuck one out the sea <laughs> see what happens no just keep it in the yeah keep it in the centre yeah, it should have been there anyway Michael anyway, no, continue. Well, I wanted Gattaca. to keep it away from the mic so yeah true anyway Gattaca <laughs> Gattaca uh, no yeah so Ethan Hawke comes up with this plan of faking his genetics so he can pretend to be an elite and get a job at Gattaca where they send people into space and whatnot so then the whole thing is about he, him, watch him him trying not to be found out and him trying to get on this rock at the end of the space and the whole way through the film I just was kind of thinking like, oh it's a grand film you know I was just enjoying it but I didn't think it was great but see right at the very end just got me do you not wreck it because I haven't seen it no I'm not not going not going to say what happens but <laughs> see right at the very end just got me and I was like I fucking love this film it was it just I, I don't it just it was the final scene and it just got me and I was like yes I love this film <laughs> I think there's not better even if you're like really enjoying a film sometimes there is a lot to be said for the final shot of a film even if a film you just kind of enjoy the way through but you wouldn't really have an opinion I a final way, shot yeah. if it's really good or such a well crafted finale yeah. that'll really stay be I find that we kill them softly it's the last moment yeah. where it explains because it's quite sparse that film and then the very end and it just goes America's a business and blah blah so pay yeah. my fucking money it just, it just really hits it so, Don, have you watched anything this week? I watched Casino Royale. Oh, oh that's I, was I was introducing a friend to who's never seen a James Bond film before. Oh, cool. Just last night, and he really enjoyed it. It was yeah, like it's a hell of a James Bond film to kick off with. Absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Uh, <laughs> plus, it's the first one chronologically, yeah. technically, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I is that not like is that not like the first novel or something? It's like the very first novel. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, it's him becoming a double O one. Yeah. Again, continue my same point on his first ticket. Like. <laughs> 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 The third time this <laughs> Just explain what punching a ticket means for the audience. <laughs> just means taking somebody out, hey, putting uh, them down. Fucking just somebody getting got. Uh, Simple as that. Uh, so, uh, did, did your friend enjoy? I absolutely loved it. Um, is he going to watch all the other ones now? He wants to, yeah. Yeah, I'll be. Take him away. It's, it'll be disappointed as well. Disappointed Daniel Craig one, but there's I think there's definitely the odd ones that come close was, to was, them. Was Quantum yeah. of Solace not a bit? Shit? Yeah, see, this one was. I never seen it. Uh, this is where we're going to. We're, we're going to. Let me say one thing: is that Casino Royale again continuing my trend of like hitting franchises because I've said I don't like Indiana Jones mm. and Star Wars the past couple weeks. Never got into James Bond anyway, and then Casino Royale, I thought, just stood alone as like a fucking cracking thriller and really dreamy. And I thought, you know what, maybe I'll give James Bond a chance. And then I went to Quantum of Solace, and I just went back to be a naff, as my friend dubbed the Quantum of Bollocks. So, <laughs> well, he's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I think? I actually think it's, I consider it the Andy Bond. The indie bond, the, the indie oh. bond. That's the only bond where they could make decisions where they weren't. It was during a writer strike and all, and so pretty much, 
on a lot of occasions, Daniel Craig and the director had to come up with these script ideas, and they were kind of based on you know uh, the budgets, unsure, and this kind of stuff, and they came up with all these different things. And there's a couple of really, really great moments in that film where like, there's one moment where your guy Mathis, he's in Casino Royale as well. He comes to him in, in the plane, and he's and Bond's just sitting there getting hammered, and he's sitting there. I think he's had like about ten drinks, and he's it's because of Vespa and all in the mm. first one and stuff. And uh, if you haven't seen Casino Royale, sorry, spoiled dogs. But uh, <laughs> he's just sitting there, and it, it he's a he's, he's a broken man, like he really is. And throughout that film, his mo- motives are quite unsure. He's, he's empty, and even when he kills the boy in Havana, you know, there's there's a scene where they literally Sorry. focus on his face. <laughs> what? Just said spoilers. Just no, <laughs> as, as in Havana, South America, I don't know if it's specifically Havana, yeah. but I think he's sitting there with a knife in a guy, yeah. and they just let the shot go, where, he, he's, where just he's just sitting there, he's just staring vacantly out the window, and you can hear the, the sounds from outside in the street, and all the wee moments I got there, I ah, think are cool. really sure-footed in the film, ah. and I don't know, I, I, I like Planet of Salt, like. I think though, fair enough, Mark Kermode uh, fucking loads it. Uh, <laughs> see, I, I like I like the doctor's opinion. You know, what I mean, as, uh, as I don't the doctor. Yeah, well, right, uh, anyway, Aaron, have you watched films this week? I watched. Uh, he's talking off. No, I watched a film called uh, "I Melt with You," mm. which sounds like a romantic film. It's not. It's a. Uh, it's an. Well, it's an indie, but it, it's um, it's with uh, Rob Lowe. Uh, Jeremy Piven, Thomas Jane, he was a Punisher yep. years ago, and then Disaster. I keep My favorite this character. The, the fourth actor in this. I think I think he played Orson Welles in me and Orson Welles, a Richard Linklater film. No, I don't know his name. I, think, well, I keep forgetting his name, but he's he's fairly he's like a linchpin in the film. But um, it's about four friends that head off. And by the way, if you haven't seen the film, this is a spoiler. I can't explain the film properly without revealing something. Mm-hmm. Well, it's my four friends who head off for a weekend. They do it once a year and they get blocked and they drunk and they uh, take drugs and all this kind of stuff. And uh, one of them's a doctor and he comes up and he takes all this, you know, those drugs out of his practice and stuff. And they come down and they just get messed up for four days once a year. When was this made? This was made about two or three years ago. All oh, right, okay. And uh, it's, it's it's shot really, really. Uh, they must have used like really lightweight cameras and stuff yeah. and this kind of thing. It's shot really digitally and this kind of thing and. and you know what I say about sometimes films being dull? Mm-hmm. This is like the least dull film I've seen in a long time. I mean, sometimes the plot does weigh in a wee bit, but what they're visually doing is always interesting. The film's constantly taking risks. Yeah. And that's what I really liked about it. And, uh, I mean... Is it going uh, for like a naturalism or something? You're saying it was being shot It's proper naturalism. It's shot, it's, shot, it's shot beautifully in parts, but I mean, yeah. there, there's parts where like, you know, the camera is literally... If you can imagine in Saving Private Ryan when the camera's doing the shutter yeah. thing, there's a lot of that in it. Right. Those when they're getting really high and they're like fucking railing lines on them. They're just like the camera's like fucking shuddering like us here and all. Right. And they're doing all this mad stuff. And in some ways, I feel like the film might have been made in the edit because they, mm. it seems like it's shot so much and they got so lucky with some of these things. But it's quite, it's quite loose, eh? It but is. I mean, it seems like there's probably storyboard ideas in there, but then there was these extra abstract things that made their way into the film. And then... What, what's, what's Jeremy Piven like in it? He's brilliant. Is he doing his best Jeremy Piven impression? <laughs> He's... At, at the start, for about twenty seconds, you you pick up a, an Ari Gold off him, but that's the only uh, the only thing in it. He's not he's not Ari Gold. He's, oh, he's, he's uh because oh, I really like Jeremy. I Pippen, really love he Jeremy Piven. And Mister Shelbridge is fucking thing. brilliant as well. Is Rob Lowe as charming as ever? The timeless Rob, Rob Lowe, Lowe is actually he's he's the secret weapon. I don't think. I fucking love Rob Lowe. And actually, no, actually, no. I tell a 
close rival of one Thomas Jane of the Secret Weapons. I've always liked Jeremy Piven, and Jeremy Piven to me is a very reliable actor. Yeah. But Thomas Jane, uh, I think it's the one time we've really seen Thomas Jane yep. fucking really go for it. Like, I don't think Thomas Jane gets uh, apart from walking around me, is perfectly formed eight pack the whole time. You know, it's like a thing where. You know why you're putting that on there. It's fan service. I, 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 don't feel, I, I don't feel that sorry for you when you're bitten around with this big fucking <laughs> keg of fucking hardness. Hey, the man's worked hard for that. Like, you know, I mean, he deserves it. Aye, but it doesn't suit the character. Ah, it's true. He's, like he's, he's, he's an artist, to be drug taking, like, whatever, not out there. No, yeah, he, he should not be in that sort of way. Just to cover, he should have a t-shirt about two sizes too big or something just to make him look like a badass fucking waster. It's a small boy's t-shirt he's wearing. Just to watch it. I'm not going to tell you what this, because if I tell you one plot, I'll have to tell you the biggest plot which leads to the end but Aye. do watch it it's about old friends who were, were college together and come back and it's just this thing of drug and just weekend uh, away from everything else and they all have problems and it all starts to collide and it's a really interesting film that sounds good that sounds cool it does actually I'm going to give that a go okay let's go into news break out of okay Hilda Swinton is in talks they play the ancient one in the Doctor Strange movie mm, and the, the the thing <laughs> the thing you, you getting back on that Chitteroos again eh you've taken the first hut <sighs> was a mistake yeah. get worse after the second Christmas drink Christmas cake <laughs> <laughs> you dress a lot on top Aye. it's giving me heartburn <laughs> but, uh, no, but me the heartburn <laughs> the, the thing about uh, Tilda Swinton in talks for the ancient one is Traditionally, it's a it's a man in the comics, but also it's a, it's a Asian person, and so there's a whole thing of that they're going for a white woman rather than an Asian, Asian man. man. Uh, so like, American, yeah. please, please, Mickey. Well, just, I don't know where he's from. <laughs> he's just Asian. <laughs> That's a big old whiskey man. Did he bought the fucking railroads like the homage? Go ahead, sorry. But no, yeah. So it's just Tilda Swinton's being cast in this role that it's and traditionally in the comics it's an Asian man. But I, I personally think it's it's fine because Tilda Swinton is just that kind of like I love Tilda Swinton. She's class, but mm. she's just that weird and strange that yeah. I wouldn't even really count her as a person. So you could you could just bring up you could just bring up the argument of why aren't you having a human being playing this? I'd yeah, love it. I'd love it if you, if you get a, a letter next week saying Tullus Swinton says <laughs> Michael Breslin said that I don't look like a fucking person. Uh, see you in court. <laughs> I see you in court. <laughs> no, but it, I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying literally. She's not even a person. <laughs> no, but I no because I, I love I love Tullus Swinton. I think she's I love bad. Tullus Swinton's fucking unreal. Yeah, he's, he's, she she uh, is he's, unreal. That's uh, the point. <laughs> You sit at yourself now. Yeah. You're, you're on court yeah, you're, 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 Your hands are bloody yeah, as well. You're a material witness. <laughs> but no, but, that, but that's, that's the thing. I think you could put Tilda Swinton literally in the any role of man, woman, child, whatever. She could play it because she's just she's just that... She's just that kind of undefinable she, that she like, can she, do she, anything. She's got a, ve- she's got a very uh, unique presence, put it that way. Yeah. I think she's got basically... Creepy ice queen locked down any role, like you know what I mean? Like any fucking role that needs like a real mm-hmm. cunt, pardon my French. Tilda Swanton has to be top of the list. It's uh, 
just to go on about that thing about whitewashing too, like Hollywood gets accused of it. There was a whole big thing about I think it was Exodus last year, Ridley Scott's one. Mm. But there's actually a current one too that's getting a lot of flack. Hasn't been released here yet, but I was reading a, an article just the other day. Have you heard of uh, Cameron Crowe's new film Aloha? Oh, yeah. that's good. Apparently, it's an thing. absolute fucking mess of a film. I know. But, uh, bad, but I think that Emma Stone's character is supposed to be Asian, whereas Emma Stone is fucking blatantly not Asian. Like, and that is only one. I mean, that's just a minor thing. Apparently, the film itself is just all over the fucking place. But uh, yeah, anyway, I think Parasite, it has, if, if, if the fucking character is supposed to be Asian, hire a fucking Asian actress or an Asian actor or whatever. I, I don't understand that at all. Just obviously don't hire Bryce Hatton to be in the fucking Ryan. That's fucking, you know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know one thing about the Devil's Own Way? I actually thought his accent was alright. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing, it's his fucking hair. I know. When have you ever saw, seen a Northern Irish person? You know, with you look like hair. Brad Pitt. It was like Kevin Klein hairdo. I just, I was like, I took me right out. Yeah, you need the Irish hair, don't you? Ah, you need the Irish hair. Which sure, over, it's, it's pretty much there's hair in one side of your head, and then there's 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 comb marks on the other, and it's 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 by design of the wind. It's you know what I mean. As they say, it's pretty much a short back and shades. It's a fucking shelby Aye. shave, as they say. Like you're going to you're going to a barber shop here, and you go on, you're like, going to get a what? He's <laughs> <laughs> halfway through, giving you a short back and shades. He's all like, I'll be six foot You go all gummy, mad hair. Cause hey, he's all quite exact. Can he beat six foot for her? Where go? Well, apart from my mother, who cuts my hair for free. Um, <laughs> what? What oh, fuck's what she does? That's nice. Uh, nice and tragic, you know. Apart from when my, my brother was getting... up the arm, I was going to get my hair cut. <laughs> I, I, I actually paid to get my hair cut once for my brother's wedding. Right. Uh, wasn't worth it. That <laughs> <laughs> just, just was the same as that. <laughs> 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 no, the, the, the boys sound on. He's very nice. Next news. Uh, the Rock is to be in a remake of Big Town. Big Town? Oh, Big Trouble. Oh, look at where this box. You know what? We said a couple weeks ago. We have that man's franchise Viagra. <laughs> no, at the same time. Right, here, I'll tell I, you one thing, right? Though, sorry, go on. You were sick. No, all it was was uh, obviously I've, I've said this every week as well. I keep going on the fucking same points. People are gonna start to get tired of this shit, but I just love John Carpenter and I really, really love Big Trouble in Little China. And it's one of those films that it's definitely it's it's of its time and it's really fucking quirky but I think they cause big trouble and why a lot of people that I know this week have been saying like oh fuck you know it's one of the untouchables don't be doing it fucking go for it it just seems cause big trouble little chance is that mad anyway you can just do whatever you want with and especially with a rock in there as Kurt Russell oh be fucking class I think it's gonna be really good Dom what are you yeah. I think trouble in little chance I uh, chance my favourite but, uh, Big Trouble in Little China Town. <laughs> what was it again? I want to see that. Is that a mashup? Yeah. Yeah. Jack, Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jack Nicholson just fucking kung fu in boys. Jack Nicholson and a fucking Chinese takeaway just. <laughs> but for some reason, I don't really mind that it's being remade. Yeah, yeah I, um, I don't really care. Uh, so what? Right, uh, you know, like we're all against you. <laughs> no, fuck y'all. It's quite my fault. What are you But uh. The main thing is that the thing with the Big Trouble in Little China is that Kurt Russell's character, I mean, he's sort of sold as a hero, but he's a complete agent. Yeah. Mm. And that's the thing. He has the look, he has everything, he has that 80s hair, which is associated with heroes for some reason, and then all this sort of stuff, and he goes and he has the gun and he has the lines, but he's just not very good at it. Yeah. You know, and that's that's that humour, that's the best thing, that's a masterstroke of that film. I mean, obviously the, the graphics and all, or the, sorry, the, the effects and all, just are making it all its time, but... I get a feeling if the rock's in it, 
it's not going to have that character element to it. I mean, oh, I know... Definitely, but, but, the, but The Rock has fucking such a good balance of drama and he's such a good comedy actor too. Like, I, I but, mean, I, but, like, no, but I don't know if they would keep that comedy set. If they kept it in, I wouldn't but mind. Certainly, it's big trouble on another channel. Look at The Rock in Pain and Gain. Like, I know, I know. He's I know. a fucking idiot in it. Like, yeah. and, uh, he's the best part of that film. Exactly, he plays uh, it so well because you expect The I mean, Rock to be If, if cool I can't stuff in it, definitely. I mean, I think... It's it's like a sort of a like they turn it up to eleven and just make, they're going to make a bigger version of it and stuff, but I don't know. But see that that's what I like because Big Trouble in Little China was basically just a fucking homage of B movies in general and it was knowingly kind of silly and over the top. Yeah. You could do that again in the modern day and you could just go so many different ways with it. I mean, like I fucking love as I'm saying, like John Carpenter and usually <laughs> I would like I mean I would say like I don't John Carpenter film like don't mark Halloween because you know it's perfect and Big Trouble in Little China is perfect too. But I think. Halloween's narrative is more kind of confined and you can only go a certain way but Big Trouble in Little China there's so many possibilities it, it does sometimes like. feel like John Carpenter has made a series of films that were kind of I'm just going to make them this way and he knew they were never going to be big but he just goes somewhere along the line somebody's going to take us and I'm going to get fucking mantled off it four guys are going to do a podcast no because what it was just talking about John Carpenter just know, talking about me flat out Halloween you know he just basically gets a check every time somebody feels like making one mm. which is every other year John, uh, if you're out there listening, we like you a lot. I fucking massive respect him, man, but it's, you know, it's just he's kind of going, well, I've done what I think is the best, but he, he just, he has managed to create such a, you know, a thing that they feel that need, like, yeah. uh, that people love, you know what I mean? Yeah. That the people need brought back, and they, the, you know, yep. all, all of us are yeah. massively fucking that. They're massively unique. Kind of touchstones or milestones, Aye. sorry, and like, and, like and they're all culture. very unique. That's really the best iconic. thing about them, yeah. But they, they ask a question of, the very end of Big Trouble in Little China, you have you have the wee thing at the very end of the boy popping up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was was he actually putting that in for a sequel, or is that just a bit of crack? Like, that's was an there 80s, any talk? That's an eighties B movie thing. Like, uh, just yeah. just a bit of crack. It's hard to tell about Trouble in Little China because it is that off the cuff. You really don't know. Like you know what I mean? Maybe if if. Because actually, actually, recently they did a comic book sequel. They want it to, it popped up actually right from just that boy popping up. Like from what I remember, well, I might be wrong about this, but I'm nearly sure that Big Trouble in Little China kind of fucking stopped Carpenter's career for a while because it was a I think it was a box office. Nobody got it. Was it. A big Nobody box got it. Exactly. Nobody understood what it was supposed to be. They were thinking John Carpenter. He'd already done like the thing and done I Halloween. Think, I think, uh, it's going to be serious. They it's thought Clint. They thought Kurt Russell. Being clumsy was coming across as clumsy direction. Yeah, they thought Whereas that, that was the exact. It was like bad writing, but it was uh, the point. But yeah, next news. Okay, Eddie Redmayne is the star in the Harry Potter prequel, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. That's who. Fuck. He's 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 the he's the. Is he a hypocrite? Ma- is that the guy that wrote the book, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them? He's playing no. that character. The author. Oh, okay. I know that's that's what the whole prequel no. is. Hypocrite, isn't that what hypocrites? Uh, I see. I don't know. I'm, I'm, revi- I'm revealing my hand here. I know quite a bit about her. This is why I put this yeah, story in. Yeah, this, this is like your, well, not even your guilty it's pleasure. Like a, it's like a horse with wings and a beak. Eddie Redmayne <laughs> is playing this. <laughs> the beak of an eagle, the body of a horse, but a few wings strapped on it. If you can do Stephen Hawking, you can do anything. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> Eddie, Eddie Redmayne has a weird face. I don't know. He's like so. He's doing. Uh, I've seen a. There's like a. A production still or something like that that was released like a few months back or whatever of uh, he's, he's doing like a, a, a film where he's transsexual mm. he makes a, a very convincing I, th- I think he has oh, very strong features like is it, he's kind of yeah, he's, he's no, sharp I, I, features I, I, like a feminine nah, features nah. I love how we're just discussing what the man looks like now and that. <laughs> no, 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 I mean do you know one thing it was, it was like uh, I remember in uh, Watch It and Les Mis 
Just that going to have an hour up of Tudor Rose here. Walk away. Just with Zerker. Refreshing. Let's go to the party. But it was Les Miserables, and it was just, you know, because they had those sort of primeline shots where it was just, everything was just very clear on their face, and you could see every detail. It's just a stupid thing to me, but I think people try and get rid of freckles a lot. Yep. Because Pierce Brosnan is freckly, but they always get rid of You can notice that in the but they always make up it out. Whereas in Lemas, they just they just let it. Uh, they they just showed that, and I just thought that was cool. And it's just you know, and maybe if he had representation or something like that there, they might have said no, we make up them out or something. But it just something about that I just thought was cool, and it was it was they didn't fake it or you know. Yeah, so who's who's a Harry Potter fan here then? Yeah, again, the, the franchise just, hitter. I'm not really Harry fu- Potter. Fuck you, you franchise. <laughs> you a Potter fan? I see. I, I've only ever seen the first one when I was at school. It's not even like it's have not even like the first one. I, I, I <laughs> seen the first one. I was like, fuck. No, I know. No, I, no, I've seen the first. They showed us the first oh, Harry Potter nice. in English class. I actually, I, I think... Anyway, it, it, it should be only read the first one. No. Uh, I've only seen the first thing that works. <laughs> it's like... I fucking, read books. It's a slap in the face. I can, I can barely read my own show notes. <laughs> you have no notes I ever. Barely read text. text. My, my phone. All right. Yeah, only the short I, Only I can read percentages in the back of bottles. Like, that's why I even though Cheddar Rose bottle was fucking really boring. <laughs> like fucking fa- Father Jack, that's all he sees. It's just the yeah, percentage. That's all really matters when I come with. It was like drinking like a bag of flowers. <laughs> it's like drinking a rose garden. To paraphrase fucking, uh, what do you call It's like drinking a bag of flowers, but you ever get them <laughs> stru- strawberries, you know, and paint, like the, out of the shops and all, you get the, the strawberries. I've heard of strawberries, I... <laughs> <sighs> you, know, <laughs> you know, you know the strawberry sweets you get, they're like fucking five pieces. The big ones, it's like eating a bag of flowers mixed with a bag of um, fucking sweets here and just putting them all in your mouth at the same time. It's my mom, blah, 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 blah. Have you been contacted by Chitteroos? Because you seem to be doing some hard selling here. I'm just, I uh, you know, just. You're representative. There's just a couple of haunting tastes not there. I just want to make some money. He called Forest Club. That's what I was trying to reference earlier. Um. <laughs> What do you call your man? I Forrest Gump. I, I, see, see that whole time you were talking about strawberries? I was trying to remember Forrest Gump. <laughs> I couldn't remember. I was like, what's that fucking Tom Hanks film? Where you fucking Bob Zemeckis? <laughs> Bob, we're friends. Um, Bob, there's about four of them. Mm-hmm. Bob Zemeckis? Mm. Zemeckis? Polar Express, <laughs> Castaway. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, right. oh, right. oh, right. He thought you meant there's four Bob. <laughs> there's four Robert Zemeckis. Well, I know there's only four when I see him because... <laughs> Bob probably loves a drink. I don't know that. <laughs> okay, don't make uh, accusations, Mickey. Rolling it on the ground here. Probably we get done for slander by Bob Smegas. You already have a court case with Tom Swanton, like so. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so just tell, tell the wang, wang an arm out when I'm at it, like fuck it. I'll take them all. Hey, what? close it in the close it in the same day. Both of them just. <laughs> I got a bit of edge. I'm gonna shut these both down <laughs> one day. And one before lunch. Be <laughs> before lunch, motherfuckers. No, but you can't get like sued twice or something. It's like multiple indemnity or something. Like that. I, uh, I doubt that. I'm pretty sure you made that up. Like, uh, uh, it's, I, 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 I think I stole from. You watch too many films, man. It's from Thirty Rock. It's a TV show. Okay. Uh, James Wan is going to direct Aquaman. You know what? Aquaman gets a lot of flack for being like. Shit. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's fucking shit. I don't think it's a lot of fun for being shit. No, but I think he's kind of like Aquaman's cool. He just loves fucking swimming. No, I. <laughs> fucking daft. Just
Best exercise? I'm, I'm, I'm a mole as fuck, an aqua dude. Aqua dude. Aqua dude. No, but aqua I, dude. Oh, but have any played Injustice, the the DC video game? It was like a fighting game. Aquaman and that is a fucking badass. Uh. He like rocks up with all his fish and all his fucking sweet. <laughs> <laughs> So like like fuck and he's got a bag of I mean, like sharks are his crew and all this shit and all. But he is a big looking shark. Aye. Aye, he just he just grabs a sword fish by the tail and starts fucking sword fighting somebody. You know? No, no. Shark was only last one. He's using like shrimp as Chinese death stars and get the fuck out of Just this big prong gum. Should have been starfish, but what are you going to do there? <laughs> I, was, I was going with it. Like... <laughs> but, that, but that's the thing, that's Aquaman's powers. He can be a badass with fish. And he has a big big ass triton. Well. Weapons are like... mass destruction, but they have to be made out of fish. <laughs> yeah. Aye, it's essentially Green Lantern, but with fish. It's essentially yeah. Green Zone, except they're looking for fish rockets. I retract my original statement that Aquaman was cool because now you've actually just toppled the idea of Aquaman in this fish thing. In, in, Inju- in Injustice, and apparently in, in the new 52 of the, the comic books, he's actually pretty much a badass. And he's a badass in Injustice with his fish. Although, do you think that Jason Momoa is pretty good casting? But also James James Wan being the director. Yeah, he's pretty... he's a really capable action director. I mean, he's just really good at doing. James Wan. What? Who's James Wan? Yeah, Fast, like Furious Fast and Furious. You're fucking a huge Fast and Furious fan. Fast and Furious Seven. You only done seven. I thought. Oh, Justin Lin. Justin Lin. Ah, yeah. Justin Lin. Ah, ah, yes. He didn't name because he was like no, a second J- director. James Wan's like horror director. He did The Conjuring. No. That's he's right. That's Fast and Furious is his first director, thing. I say. Fast, Do you know what? Fast and Furious is his first thing away from horror. Aye. What I like about James Wan? No, Fast and Furious 7, I think possibly still at this minute, is the third highest grossing film ever. Yeah. Just behind Jimmy Cameron's two films. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I know it's, it's crazy to think that he, he's just elevated to that level. Yeah. And so he can basically do whatever the fuck he wants and he wants to do Aquaman. But he, he creates really good worlds and he's excellent at action and building tension I mean like personally for me if uh, The Conjuring was made by any other director other than you know him with, you know, The Conjuring was James Wan James Wan yeah other than him being very very him. capable he's, he's was, doing Conjuring 2 as well mm. I think that uh, The Conjuring would have been kind of because The Conjuring it's, it's, it's an enticing story but there's actually not a lot that happens there but he stretches that out and because he is so capable he fucking mines so much tension so much drama out of it so him doing Aquaman, him doing a superhero film is really fucking interesting, especially with is it Jason Momoa playing Aquaman? Yeah. That's uh, he, he, he'll be Aquaman in Batman vs. Superman. Yeah, I think I mean Jason Momoa is it's Jason Momoa. Like, I mean, I mean, Batman vs. Superman. Well confirmed mm-hmm. is Batman and Superman, obviously, and Wonder Woman and Aquaman so. and Cyborg. See Jason Momoa, I think He's a pretty limited actor. I think he's definitely a throwback to the kind of eighties macho man. Serious eyebrows on him. <laughs> they just don't quit. But, uh, I mean, like, he's a, he's definitely a throwback that likes to kind of slice the loan and and and, but and you, Arnie. You need that. You need you that. Stop though. interrupting me. I need to make a point. No. Oh my he's god. I think he's doing it once. I'm, an, I'm, I'm a the, police. Yeah, fuck, I'm in the middle now. <laughs> fuck y'all. <laughs> I'll start that first couple weeks. Oh. Tension already. It's only episode six. I'm leaving yeah. this shit. <laughs> Speaking of Tench and Robert Chemeckis. He just left that hanging there for you, Mickey. He just left it. I just. Uh, oh, wait, 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 moving on. I thought you wanted to make a point. 
No, no, you have to open this. It's okay. Oh, okay. Uh, it's probably bullshit. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, well, that's, that's all news, so let's go on the topics. So who wants to go first? Well, I've come prepared this week. I've got some notes with me. Jesus. I'm going to do my topic. Now, I don't want to be too kind of focused on notes. I want it to be conversational. No I know, I know. Shan, if you if you don't want to be too focused on notes, you should wrap that piece of paper up right now. No, because I, I wouldn't read as well. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you do read that, you're going to have to leave a wee apple on Mickey's table as you're leaving. <laughs> My topic this week is John Hughes and like his kind of his influence on modern American cinema. Obviously, John Hughes directed like. Cool. Breakfast Club, Sixteen Candles, uh, Pretty in Pink. Pretty in Pink, yeah, exactly. Home Alone. Oh, he didn't write Home Alone. Oh, Chris just, Columbus. He, he wrote, wrote, he wrote he Home wrote Alone. Sorry, sorry. So, uh, basically all I want to say is it's, it's like easy to criticise John Hughes' films as like being really rooted in the 80s and like a naff and, and over the top melodramatic. But they're good for the hour of their time. Like yeah, that. exactly. But it's, it's like no coincidence that, that his films are, have, have lasted, you know, the test of time and they're still really influential now. And even like new generations of teenagers or like young adults or whatever still fucking <clears throat> love his films so basically for me the reason that is is that I feel he was the first director ever to, to take teens seriously and actually present teenagers on yeah. screen he had films okay like maybe stand up like Rebel Without a Cause and stuff like that but they were few and far between uh, he was the first one big stories yeah little, he yeah. was the first one really to kind of delve into you know teenage life and what it means to be a teenager because before then teenagers teenagers were always seen as like an afterthought and they were all presented as like bratty or overgrown children and they weren't mm-hmm. taken seriously and he was the first to actually not condescend kids basically and he, he kind of showed them as being people as well and, and that they had their own voice and they had their own problems like you know it's a bit of a cliche now but going to the pram man and you know stuff like that <laughs> but like your first kiss or maybe you know like losing your virginity serious stuff and I think because teenagers or kind of young adults seen that for the first time they thought they could actually engage they could identify with characters on screen. If teenagers were a race, it was the first one they approached the topic. Yes. You know what I mean? It was the first sort of the racism of teenagers, you know what I mean? As oh, in, well, uh, I mean, I guess I suppose in a way, yes. It was the first one they did. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, what it is, is that all, all I was going to say is because of that influence that he's got, I think that in modern day cinema, through any sort of thing that's related to teenagers, I mean, I'm, I'm talking stuff as, as kind of various like the fucking Twilight series, or even like more self-referential films like Easy A, or even Kevin Smith films. Kevin Smith constantly cites John Hughes as one of his biggest influences. I think John Hughes basically created that market himself. Now say what you want about you know certain teen films. I mean, there's there's shipper ones. You kind of go back to that old mentality of like all oh, are just sex-driven fucking maniacs. Whereas John Hughes's things are, are more nuanced. She's all that fucking Kevin You know, she's all that. You remember that? Yeah. Very famous. You know all that. That's a pure John Hughes blueprint. Of like, course, of course, but I mean, they're, I... They're doing a remake of that. Are they? Shut yeah. the fuck up. Are you serious? Shut that front door. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> fucking hell. But I'll just wrap it up. It's kind of a quick one because I just want to hear your fucking opinions on it and stuff like that. I think that John Hughes basically created that market himself because as he was the first director, they kind of take teens seriously and, you know, kind of represent them properly. He showed Hollywood and the studios that there was a market for it and it just... And blossomed, and yeah, there's been a lot of shit along the way, but it's you know it's it's created. So it's it's basically created his own format, and his, his films are just really nice because he, 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 there's a lot of warmth to his films. The Breakfast Club with these kind of five desperate characters coming together, and just that kind of 
looming approach of adulthood. And I, th- I think it's a really important thing because you give... Obviously, we can all see teenagers as bratty, but it is it is kind of fucking condescending to them. I, I think that you give a certain section of society a, an identity and a voice, which is, yeah. is, is no bad thing whatsoever. No, I'm with you, definitely. I mean, what... Uh, what, what it's easy to say about someone for something like The Breakfast Club is to say, oh, it's okay to be weird. That's, yeah. what, that, that's what that film said. But it actually yeah. didn't. It actually showed that, you know, Emilio Estevez's character, who was like the jock, or, mm-hmm. you know, there was, you know, he would have been the one that we kind of went, oh, he's the easiest to make or director, this kind of thing. But what it showed is that we're all weird. Yeah. That's exactly what it showed. Everybody and, has their own quirks. Exactly. And, sort of and it showed every, that we're all every, an even key. Everybody's role. flawed. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody's flawed, yeah. But, you know, I, well, not we're all, I suppose I was saying weird, but I flawed. And it shows that, you know, we're all in the same plane. We're all, you know, after the same things. We all have the same problems, but just from different points of view. And I think, I think that's what Breakfast Club did is, is that, you know, it just brought a compassion within the, yeah. the segregations of it. Do you know what I mean? I think as well, John Hughes's films are kind of timeless and they keep attracting these new audiences because yeah. the messages of you know teenagers teenagers are always going to be teenagers like that. and that is teenage teenage angst and, and the things they're going through it's always going to be the same and that's yeah. why it kind of you know it's, it's constantly evolving yeah. and they, they, that's, they, they, that's yeah. what I was going to say about his films that even though that they are really 80s films that the actual subject matter and what they're actually dealing with about teens mm. every teen can relate to that and mm. it's yeah. Like everyone will just yeah. always go back to those films, and it just it just captures uh, captures yeah. it so Even well. I could easily watch it at, at you know forty or fifty and say you know I, I can definitely that strikes a chord with me. There's an element in that that strikes a chord with me because you remember definitely. that time in your life so uh, vividly. You know? It's so it's so universal. Just it, exactly, it, yeah. everyone has gone through those things that he puts on the screen. But as you say, he was the first person to probably do it. Yeah, like, center. because before you know, that you had like teen comedies, stuff like. Meatballs, and you still kind of get away with the American Pie series, right. but you know, they, they're, some of them are good, some of them are bad. But it just kind of presents things as fucking unbelievably one dimensional. And mm-hmm. I, I, he was like a kind of first person to not even realize, but just show yeah. that you know that they're just fucking people right. as well. And if anything, it's probably one of the most difficult stages of your life because right. you've got all this shit going on, and adulthood is fast approaching. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's 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 nearly like people when they avoid talking about it because yeah, it's right. it's so awkward and nobody really. Knew it's what tough they to present, yeah, yeah, basically. But you know what? A badly observed version. Sorry, quickly was. Uh, it's the first Spider-Man, the Sam Raimi one. I think the teenage stuff is some of the most badly observed stuff I've ever yeah, seen. It's definitely. Like, oh, we've done, we've seen this a million times. This, this is how you do this, rather than this is how I think about this. This is how I want to direct it. I feel like that was always really badly observed <coughs> for me. The high school stuff. Was it's it's definitely an, an adult's version of what of what teenagers are, and what's strange. And I think what's even nicer about John is the fact that just compassionate, and yeah. it's, it's far more. Um, it's far better observed. Just well, that's why I liked about John Hughes because I think he wrote those films when he was in like his thirties or maybe you know he, he was fucking nowhere near being so like kind of teenage years. He turned up so it, it was actually just nice to see someone of that age being able to kind of recreate that in a way and and not be kind of yeah. patronising. Also, I love how we're going through all these kind of fucking really in depth topics. At the end of my notes, I just wrote plus he done planes, trains, and automobiles and home alone. <laughs> <laughs> So he's a fucking legend. <laughs> I like, I like how you, re- I, I like how you read it like you're a five year old. Plus, he did trains and automobiles. Am <laughs> I really fucked up writing on that paper? Planes, trains, and automobiles, and uh, and uh, he's a legend. But just another fucking right on example is Judith, almost a direct remake of uh, yeah, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yep. 
So, when I go on to another topic, he wants to head up their topic. He wants to sling their gun. I was going to talk about uh, sort of interesting facts about films, but that's yeah. just thought there now is that Tarantino was supposed to direct Casino Royale. Really? Yeah, what he, no, he wasn't what? supposed to direct it. Was to, he was going to in some, he was involved in some way, but I just uh, wanted your thoughts on... It was no, it, it started off because people used to say that Casino Royale uh, was an unfilmable book right. and this kind of stuff. And it was when it was around about the time when Day Another Day kind of bombed and this kind of thing, and Tarantino mm-hmm. went up on this whole thing and said, "Oh, Casino Royale, we got to make that. That's a great thing." And uh, he wanted Pierce Brosnan to be in it Aye. if he ever did it. I think he campaigned it himself, as he always does. Aye. And uh, <laughs> but um, he wanted to make it an eighteen and all here with the violence and stuff. I mean, the violence in that one, the, the Daniel Craig one, is quite hard. But he credits himself in many interviews. For being the person that regenerated James Bond yeah. and Casino Royale and this kind of stuff, right. but uh, he, the, he, I don't think he was really ever on the cards for it. I, I think it was something that uh, he said, "I would know how to film it. I could do it. It's definitely doable." Blah blah. But I don't think he was ever really on the cards. For, for me, it. though, that it, it kind of it's a dangerous thing to give Tarantino, James Bond, or any sort of franchise with established characters because. I think personally, it would just become the Quentin Tarantino show, and he would kind of forget about the character altogether, and just kind of want to implement his own style. And for James Bond, I couldn't see that fit whatsoever because it is such an iconic character. Also, you were saying that he he had like the kind of thoughts of maybe making nineteen. Certainly, that goes against everything James Bond does because it's supposed to be a family film. Did you say nineteen? Eighteen. Eighteen. That's how violent it was going to be. Or like an R-rated Bond, it would definitely be interesting. I mean, I mean, but it'd be interesting. But I mean, I think it wouldn't be fair because obviously, yeah, kids are going to see it and stuff again anyway. But you can get away with a lot in a fifteen these days, like or an Yeah, yeah, you can even get away with a lot in a twelve A for me personally. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? But I think it's because because Cinderella was twelve. Like kids when they're more cynical and they've got so much. Fucking, mm. you know, access the. But but do you think uh, Quentin Tarantino would have just served himself rather than mm. serving the franchise kind of thing? Which actually, if you heard the story more, uh, yeah. of we're talking a few weeks back. I think that Tarantino's films are good. Uh, I do think in a lot of ways he, he's overrated because I think he's, he's one of the most self-serving directors. We talked a few weeks ago about like, his references, the, the vanishing point. And I'll not go back on that, but and Death Proof is it? Mm. Death Proof. Yeah. Did, did I say Death Proof? What did I say? Did I, yeah, you said no, his reference point. Oh, oh his re- yeah, his reference is the vanishing point in Death Proof. Okay. I think that uh, <laughs> yeah, he would try and make James Bond a completely different beast. And there's no problem. I mean, obviously, Casino Royale pays testament that that you know you can reboot Bond, you can do it in a different way. But I think that he would take it far too left field. He literally says there's an interview on Jonathan Ross where he literally says, uh, "I'm the reason they're making another Bond." I don't think that's true. I think the reason they made another Bond is it's because it's Bond. Yeah. No, no, it's, no, no, no. Honestly, it's because Day Another Day. It was a, it was a, it was a big gap there between Day Another Day and uh, Casino Royale. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just sixty bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And the gap was filled by the Bourne trilogy. Yeah. And what the Bourne trilogy did, uh, did? <laughs> what the Bourne trilogy did was actually date Bond so much. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's true, like proper yeah. espionage back to the basics. And this kind of thing, and there wasn't all these like stupid toys. It was like, that's what somebody would do in that situation if, you know, in uh, in the real world. And it dated Bond so much. If you actually notice Casino Royale and all these things, they actually deal with all these things a lot more intelligent and the fighting in it is oh, almost yeah. identical to Bond. 100%. It's all but hand to hand combat. And it's, are, that, yeah. it's <laughs> that sort of a, that, that uh, kind of green grass, gun and run style where it's the quick exactly. editing and it's the quick that, movement. That's what it became. Eh? And, and that's but no bad you, thing. If, mm. you, if you look at the. Uh, as you were saying, Diane all day and all, Brian, it was so I did it. Was I mean, a big I, bag of dick. That's I, what it was. It was. I can't even mind if it was Diane all day or the one before that I seen in the cinema. And there's this part where Pierce Brosnan's like going down a mountain with like uh, a parachute yeah, and a snowboard kind of thing. No, and that's that's. Uh, is it the one where the the fucking land speed car crashes I, and he, yeah. he uses that? I think it, he uses the shell the of ice, that. The ice the hotel. Oh, Jesus! Oh, that's Diane day. Aye. Do you know the problem with Dino Day is, is that the first hour of that film is actually really good. No, but <laughs> no, but that that, that particular shit. scene is, <laughs> but that particular scene is that it has the it has the far away shot and he's doing fucking flips and flying, over. <laughs> and then it has the close up shot of Pierce Brosnan as just his arms are moving back and forth, uh, manipulating the parachute, uh, and it zooms out again and he's fucking flipping about everywhere, and, and it's it's like a joke in the Simpsons uh, or something. It's like you you expect to see Troy McClure fucking the close up of doing it's, that. It's actually hard to believe that like fucking like senior executives and directors or whatever producers looked at this and thought that's good, that's what people want. You know what yeah. I mean? There's there's a there's a scene as well, and I can't remember what Bond it is, but. He's sitting in this, it's like a kind of classic YouTube fucking clip now, but he's sitting in this car with this woman, and this woman, like a bone girl or whatever, says something like really innocuous to him, and he just gives that dirtiest looking fucking karate chops her, and she's out straight away. I'm like, what the fuck is that? No, that's, I think, that's, is that gold now? It might be gold now. I think it is gold I, I think it is gold No, but that's, 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 that's all, good once, once again, Mr. Bond, the pleasure is all yours. It's all. <laughs> Snap! <laughs> That's <laughs> pretty good. See you later. That's fucking awful. It's, it's fucking awful. It, it, oh, I think he, it's really bad because it's it's before, like, <laughs> it was still back there. Like, I think they threw it in because <laughs> Connery is the, it was really, when you watch it now, it's really mad that like, Connery's like, you know, he's slapping gears in the ass and he's doing all this yeah, shit. Yeah, it's unbelievably it sexist. Like like exactly. And you're sort of going, what the fuck? And Ooh. then uh, he backhands this gear. And I mean, I think a thing he backhands her in the back of the head and then she hits her head off a stairway and then she's out cold no he whacks her with a gun isn't he he has a gun against, uh, at her <laughs> no, head and then he whacks laughs. her he's all ha, ha, ha. smash <laughs> and it's just like she's out cold and I was just like Jesus, that's the most Connery Pierce Brosnan's ever been. Yeah. Is that you know Goldeneye I mean? or the one after that? I think it's Goldeneye because it's when they're about to get that fucking Comanche gunship. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and she drives them. So once again, Mr. Bond, of course, the pleasure is all yours. That's your moment. Fuck talking. up. Right. See you what, after. What, 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 what woman is it? It's oh, the, the, the one with the, the, the deadly legs. Yeah. Yeah. The one that sort of that, I, even that is fucking. Sick. She kills people by fucking crushing them with her thighs. Like it's so Bugger bad. Thighs, my glad she just. It's. Right. Well, I, I think Deadly just is a very Dude. quick point. Looking back on kind of like the the classic bones and the older ones with Connery. Sometimes I can make for a bit of an uncomfortable watch because of that rampant sexism. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Ah, it's shocking. Your topic. Okay, my topic is about 
well, I'll explain where it came, came from. Is that recently on Netflix, Zach Braff's new film, Wish I Was Here, came on Netflix, and obviously I really want to watch it. I but see I haven't, you going. I haven't, got, <laughs> I haven't gotten around to watching it yet, even though I, I was a big Guard State fan. Everybody knows that. And it just made me think about there's a lot of controversy around he funded it through Kickstarter. Yeah. And it, he, but the. He says in the video that he put up for Kickstarter, he got the idea from Veronica Mars, and obviously Veronica Mars got millions as well. And the whole big controversy was that these celebrities with millions are asking regular working folk the, yeah. for for their money to make their projects, kind of thing. And I was just wondering what you generally thought of that. I know a, a common criticism of that is that the the, the common the, the normal viewer are they're paying for it twice. You know what I mean? And for me, I mean, I'm kind of on the. Fa- I, I'm not quite sure because I mean, if he's that passionate about a project and he really thinks it's going to be a great film, then yes. But at the same time, maybe it's a kind of fucking uh, romantic look at you know how Hollywood set up. But he's got connections. He's you know I mean he's made films before. He can obviously seek, fun- well, seek the, funding. Well, the, the like- thing with the Zach Braff thing is he even says in his video that he put up on Kickstarter that he could have gotten funding for this film. Oh, well, but fuck that, then. No, wait. <laughs> <laughs> he could have gotten funding for this film, but fucking he... Fucking bags, he, fucking brav. He, he, he wouldn't have had full control over, over the cast, exactly, and exactly. he wouldn't, he wouldn't have got that, final edits on it. Final cut on it and stuff. Can't say it again, because I talked to Obi. He wouldn't have got full control of the casting over the film, and he wouldn't have got final cut on the film. Mm-hmm. The producers yeah. would have got it. And that's why he didn't want to take the funding that he could have got. This is with a robot, though, right? You know... Here's the rub. There, there, there. Like, there's so many films out there at the minute, right? But I mean, and there's people. I mean, I'm not saying Zach Braff's like a fucking author or something, right? Mm. But he definitely, now he's funny scrubs and all. He Mickey definitely. Mickey, Mickey is my question, huh? <laughs> but he he's definitely. He's a definite yeah. direction of where he wants to go and the kind of film he he wants to put out. Mm. And I suppose if he went the if he went the you know the companies and stuff like I say, they would say, oh, what about someone someone playing the second part? what about someone who, you know, playing this part and it's just like it's slowly but surely your creative control gets taken away from me yeah the loops very and quickly it, it's very hard you know I, 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 well I'm saying it's very hard as I've done it but I'm saying from what I've listened to directors that were in the 70s and what they're doing now it seems like it's very very hard to get it exactly the way you want it I think it's always been the case I mean obviously the, the, the most famous button of heads between the director and producer was always Orson Welles Orson Welles basically mm. fought fucking tooth and nail to get any of his films released in the way that he wanted mm. them because mm. he was seen as kind of box office poison you know ba- back yeah, back in like the 40s and 50s the Ambersons Magnificent yeah. Ambersons Magnificent Ambersons and then you know it was, it was, was, was going to be like two, two hours 20 and uh what happened was he had the film finished and this kind of thing and he thought that that's it done yeah. and then uh, it was a downer ending and uh, it was it was 40 minutes longer than what the final one came out and uh, the, the uh, he was away in Africa I think he was shooting a, a nature film or he was shooting yeah, shots for uh, I think he was, he was shooting he was actually shooting test footage for Heart of Darkness which he was thinking about doing as yeah. well and then um, what happened he came back and uh, he realised that the film had been cut by 30-40 minutes Aye. They attacked on this happy ending, yep. which he didn't want, and that was the one that was released. And then the worst thing about it now is because film is depleted so much, we actually will never see the end that he had, which is a fucking travesty. And and, exactly. and there was a, a similar sort of thing where some wells with Touch of Evil, Touch of Evil was butchered, chopped up like 
fucking not normal by the, the producers and, and by the studio because they didn't trust his you know artistic mm. vision and recently they've now released the actual vision that uh, he had I've got the, the DVD of Touch I, I only have his one I don't have the other one I'm the same <laughs> there's actually there's a disclaimer at the start of the film I think it's I think it's Beatrice Wales' daughter his daughter really campaigns uh, for his true. films uh, yeah, yeah, his yeah. films to be like re-released with his original uh, vision intact and it's one of the few times you ever see this, but at the start of the Touch Evil has like the, the remastered one, which was his vision. There's this disclaimer that says this was his, you know, this was my father or whatever, Mr. Orson Welles' original fucking intention. And it's kind of been an ongoing thing, I think, for years. I think Orson Welles is the kind of cause celebrity of that. But but actually, on, on the topic, though, as well, I mean, what I was trying to get at is that it is that stigma now because, it, because I mean, back in the day when it was like, there's an, there's a new person coming up. They're drawing a lot of you know water. They're 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 kind of they're interesting. People like this person. Now I think because we've went through so many different motions of film, that it's very hard for us to do to tr- trust something new. Yeah. You know, and they kind of go, well, we've learned all the lessons, we've done all this here, and so it's very hard. They go, no, this is how this film's done. This is how you should shoot this. This is the location. These are the actors. Whereas, in one way, I think it's cool because what what Zach Braff is trying to do is I'm I'm trying to create exactly what I want for my fans or exactly mm-hmm. what I, exactly how I want the film to be put out yep. and I don't want the studio or the film to pollute that in any way at all so he's actually he's trying to salvage the idea of an auteur in some sort of way but at the same time I mean I know you're paying for it twice and this kind of thing but you're paying for you know the purest form of what he's trying to come out yep. from you know what I mean and you know what you go to a play it's like you know here it's like 10 bucks mm-hmm. you might throw a fiver and it's kickstarter and you pay an hour fiver to see the film i think that's okay yeah see that's you know? why i'm saying that i'm very on the fence about it because obviously if he doesn't i'm sure that many other directors or filmmakers don't want to put out the formulaic drama which exactly, are fucking yeah. dime a dozen uh with I'm the doing it, I think is, though, is the film any fucking good? Yeah, see, that's what I'm thinking. See, I mean, <laughs> I think it, it, love, it, it loves and dies on that. It, it loves and dies on that. It's a good film. It's a pile of shit, then you're like, you're <laughs> fucking rock bastard, bruv. No, but you see, <laughs> two grand. No, but you see, this is the thing as well. Like, if he if he was just if he if he took the funding for the money and he was uh, uh, like from a studio and he was getting paid and blah blah and he he didn't really care about it and like the studio of final cut and all that air. He's he's not really answerable day if it's bad or not, and the fact that he yeah. goes out in Kickstarter and has fans putting money towards it, he has he has a responsibility. He, he sure to be fans. At, at least half decent. Aye, exactly. So it it <laughs> puts it, least, it puts more pressure on him to make a fucking good film. And yeah. I I I have I haven't watched it. I'm going to watch it by this time next week so I'll have a report for you yeah. but <laughs> maybe, that, maybe, that's, maybe that's our homework for next week yeah but definitely yeah. But, but what, so we can touch on that then but yeah. what, what I wanted to say generally about is like when it, it, it was, uh, the Veronica Mars thing didn't really get that much flack like it was more when Zach Braff came out and he he only went on Kickstarter because he seen how well Veronica Mars did that uh, people started coming out and saying that uh Oh, don't like why is Zach Braff asking for money? Like, don't be giving money, and like people are actually campaigning against Zach yeah. Braff, saying don't give him money. And I, I just think that's very insulting to the people that wants to give him money because if 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 you're a fan of Zach Braff and you believe in what he's telling you, and the perks like you get perks and all on Kickstarter of wh- however much mm-hmm. you donate and all that air, if you're happy with paying that money and you get whatever perk you get. Then that's your money to do that with, and I just think it's very insulting that 
you know, someone tells you, oh, no, that's all wisdom. He has millions. He can put money. Mm-hmm. I mean, Zach Brass says he put his own money into that as well. He already did, eh? And I, 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 I actually was, when the Kickstarter was going on, I was looking at the personal and I, I was looking to see if any of them interested me enough they actually put money towards it. Yeah. None of them did and it didn't put towards it. But that's that's the that's thing. Choice, you, yeah, exactly. It's exactly. but uh, that's that's the thing. Kind of getting dirty. People aren't fucking stupid. They have they they work hard for their own money. And if they only spend their hard earned money on this project, which they believe in, and they get you know like I think like the lowest one was like ten dollars, and you got like like video blogs of the yeah. production or mm-hmm. something, and then the most expensive one was like. 50 grand and you got like a you got the a walk-in part in the movie or something and at least the way he was given back in that sense you know what i mean he, he was kind of offering those incentives yeah Jesus. well that's that's the way kickstarter works out. it's all about the perks grand, right? if you donate 50 grand <laughs> well no I, I i'm not sure if Some that's high rolling fucking <laughs> donators there, like. i'm not sure if that's the exact amount, but i it was well, it, it was, it was uh, I, it's about oh, fair thousands fair, like, fair, I, you know, you're you're you know, going into rich people territory exactly. now. but uh, all i'm saying is that you know you, like if you personally believe I don't think I should give my money to a millionaire who can fund his own movie that's fine but don't be saying don't be campaigning don't be telling people what to do with their own money yeah. and it's not like he, Zach Braff is tricking people and they're putting the money he's like, exactly what's going on exactly yeah. and he literally yeah. is, he he's, says he's, he's not hiding anything from he me he says like, in that video that he put up on Kickstarter he could have gotten funding for this film <laughs> but he didn't want to sacrifice creative control so, well I mean like if that was the case, then he did get the fault in the day it was originally offered. What's the point in doing it? Because it's not going to be with the fault that he wants. Exactly. I mean, we're getting into something else here, Steady, too. Is that, I mean, even if he did have the money, right, let's just say he even had the money, I mean, we buy a season of Scrubs, we would buy it, or we would buy the DVD, or we would buy this here. You know, what is the difference? I mean, like, if you go to a play, you pay in it, you, you're paying for this person's work and this person's mm-hmm. time. And the time they wrote the script and this kind of thing, and so essentially, I mean, you're paying for a part of that process too, as well. I mean, yeah. if you go to a play, all the expenses that went into a play, you're paying for that process. Yeah, you yeah. know that's what you're doing. You're you're, you're covering like the. Well, set, I, think, the I think the thing that Chan brought up earlier is that if you, know, you donate to a Kickstarter, you still have to pay the full amount to get into the, the settlement. Well, well I, mean, I get that, but at the same time, I mean, it, it's sort of it's what it's worth. They, they, I mean, they find something a bit more unique. I mean, I would rather pay a tenner to see a Zach Braff film than pay a fiver to see Transformers 4. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair enough. I mean. That is a pretty well, good that's, point. That's, yeah. that's a really good point, actually. Yeah. And on, on top of that, too, ju- just the, so we can close this one, I think it was kind of more difficult for Zach Braff because you were saying that he was inspired by Veronica Mars. Veronica Mars was an established character on TV show. So people wanting to go see that, was it was based on previous work and they knew that it'd be good. And they, nobody would touch it. I don't hey? know, because the only reason they went to Kickstarter is because the studio wouldn't pick it up again. It's it's because yeah. the TV show got cancelled. It got like, cancelled, and, and fans, fans the, want the closure. The, 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 fa- the fans oh, so are... the film was a closure film, was it? The fans are hardcore fans, yeah. but there wasn't enough of them to equate in the money for a film. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. So, but then they, they, they made their own money. And I, I think we should celebrate that fact rather than... Fair play. I've never actually watched Veronica Mars or The Fallen, but I heard that... Uh, 
All the fans were delighted at the very end. So that's that's, 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 <laughs> that's a happy ending. Well, no, I heard the film was shite. Like, but that's <laughs> never <laughs> I'm sure there was many, many people thought that film was an absolute fucking dick bag. Like. So in conclusion, <laughs> fuck Kickstarter. <laughs> we fucking burn Kickstarter like a In in conclusion, we've already taken down the MVP tonight. Like, <laughs> and con- Mickey's got two court cases. <laughs> in conclusion, spend your money on what the fuck you want. Yeah. Right. Also, Heron, what's your topic? Uh, no, I actually thought that the Donut have a couple couple more oh, did fun you? facts. Oh, did you? I actually thank you very much for Don't listening. Facts. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I, I thought you sacrificed your kind of fun fact thing just for the whole Quentin Tarantino thing. Oh, was no. that just one of them? That was just one of them. All right, All right. sorry. He's, he's a Goliath of, of uh, you know... He's a Goliath one next. Like, it's going to be three hours. Like we were saying before, <laughs> a, a, a new feature every week on the podcast should be, like, Don's facts. Like, Don's corner, where he just fucking rails out these fucking yeah. facts. Please give me your next fact. Well, I'm going to get this one out of the way, because I don't think it's going to really inspire Don, Don's, Don's deep bath. <laughs> Don facts! Hitchcock Psycho was the first American film to show a toilet flushing. Yep, it was. And what? It was the first one. Amer- Psycho was... Well, what's that? Oh, no, fuck go, it. Go ahead, I'm go ready. Ahead. It's a coup on Don's facts here. <laughs> <laughs> Say it again. Uh, Hitchcock's Psycho was the first American film to show a toilet flushing. So what did they do before that? They just never showed a toilet flushing. They just, <laughs> they just, they just uh, grabbed a you know, shovel and just fucked out the one that did. <laughs> <laughs> we only watched that for about 50 years. Like, just put fucking shit out. They, they, straight they, in there, a 5p bag. Like the back one. In the next door's backyard. Just... <laughs> We all have fag butts. <laughs> <laughs> so, so did, did did Hitchcock have to fight for the toilet flushing, or is I, he no, just I, the first one? Being... Honestly, I just left left all this here to the last minute, and I, don't, I, don't, I just don't. Know. I actually, uh, being, <laughs> being, being, being a gigantic Hitchcock fan, I know that uh, I'm not quite sure how like kind of heated the bit was, but I know that a lot of producers were all, "What's the point in doing this? It's vulgar, and nobody wants to see a toilet flushing." You know, it's it's kind of it's it's. So what what is this? Hollywood it was, it was golden era, so they don't yeah. see. You don't need it's to take you away. But what, what, what do you see flushing down the toilet? I'm not. I, I, she's not yeah. flushing the money. She's literally just flushing the toilet. I think. Yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not quite. I'm trying to remember back to Psycho, yeah. but I'm. She just dropped that and She's getting. <laughs> 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 But it's it's actually like it, it's it's really. It's, I better it's, not leave that there for my husband. They see, <laughs> <laughs> even though she's on our own. But I'm not leave that. I'll leave that for next man. But I'm about to get fucking stabbed in a shower. Anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I've got my priorities fucking all fucked up here. But at the same time, I won't leave it on stool for the next boy comes in here. Like you know what I'm saying. And she knew she was gonna die. She just had money fucking. Leave she's all. <laughs> He's, like, you know, he's got enough to clean up. Hey, it's bad. It's bad enough. Uh, the bath is. She, didn't, she didn't even flush it. She just maimed it. Whatever, and she's all. I'm. I'm not fucked off. A whole world. Hey, I just want somebody to come on here and see my shit. Just I'm looking at them. I don't even care. I know this boy's going to knife me. I know he is. I know he is. She. She fucking went a bit further. So, so that's why I married him. Stuck so, so a couple of googly eyes on it. Oh my god. <laughs> really missed that. Come on, little. Right. Hey, yeah. Hey, Don, what's your next one? Hold on, who's that? Lathered up a bit of soap and threw me soap after on it as well. <laughs> right, anyway, everybody so, shut so, up. So, right. Yo, shut up, Don. That's the last one. What's your next one? It's uh, Ter- Terminator 2. Uh, Linda Hamilton, her twin sister, was the. You know when you see, like, say, for example, the scene where she's like having a nightmare and she sees herself in the playground oh, and yeah. the, the day bomb goes off? That's her uh, twin sister. Playing her, 
Is there a tungsten sir skeleton? Yes. There's a back machine that's been trying to kill her for a lot of skin. Oh, so she was like her stunt double? I did not know that. But was it. Is it the kind of thing like she got the part and it was like, oh, we need somebody less important? They I died. think they just don't, <laughs> they don't like to cut down in like CGI films and shit like that. No, but did, did you ever hear the thing about when they when they try and do like real stunts and films and all that? They leave the really dangerous stunts to the very end of shooting in case the person dies. <laughs> it's like it's really dangerous. Oh, we'll just draft in your twin. They're not famous, so they don't matter. <laughs> we can shit the rest uh, of them. We'll happily lose them. Like. He ain't pulling twenty mil. <laughs> In the, you know the market or something like that. <laughs> so I, if he, if, you know, if he fucking gets his ticket, points pay us. Like, hey, it works like chip shop. He's obviously going to want to be in this film. We'll give him a massive gravestone. It'll be alright. Like. <laughs> I think ticket punch is going to be the title of this episode. Uh, it's <laughs> come about four or five times. Ticket punch pending court case. We've told this one. <laughs> <laughs> so is uh, love you, Tilda. Um, not to take over the host duties, but is it a heron's topic now? Mm-hmm. I, 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 I could have done that. Do you have a topic? Well, I've done it for you, so. No, well. Do you have a topic? You no. don't have to be on the Kickstarter. No, 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 no. I know, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to cut Sean Coyle out because he's taking my part back. So, Heron, do you have with your teeth, so you obviously want to kill Sean. He's past few weeks. You going to die. See, these past few weeks, he's fucking trying to hustle in the fucking hosting duties, like. Trying to, trying to form a coup and steal his podcast. I know, he, he nearly tried to do it to me the other day as well. <laughs> just just put two in his leg, and then just see what, you know, I'll learn him. He'll <laughs> <laughs> know crack next week, and it's like, fuck off cast. Over here next I, week, baby. Just Mickey, we have permanent markers, all, Mickey was here, just on the cast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you wouldn't fit in here with a cast. Uh, so, Aaron... <laughs> do you have a topic? I do, yeah. It's uh, uh, what are the best hangover films? The first like, one. Uh, not, not hangover films as in <laughs> one day three because we're obviously. Uh, <laughs> we would get a. We would get a. Really, that really <laughs> talk about this thing, haven't we? Jesus Christ, I know. That's my thesis. That's, you know, I'll, when I write, if I ever get the right thesis, it's going to be, what is the best hangover films? You know, what are the best, you know? You must have had that joke in your back pocket. I did. Oh, <laughs> Mickey was gunslinging, you fucking ball bag. As soon as I heard Heron's topic was best hangover film, as I hope they phrased it that way, what's the best hangover film? So I just say, I jump on show the first one. Hey. Luckily, in, in the moment when I heard it outside of my own skull, I was all... Oh, so there's a joke in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you wouldn't get on, on that on me, motherfucker. Anyway, but, uh, I, the not, best... Not just a hat rack, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the best films they watch when you are hungover, like an old Sunday, you're out in a rough night before, and all, all flesh. Me. And, uh, <coughs> laying down, and I sort of think, oh, yeah, I'm going to get up right now, so I might need some chips. <laughs> might have a couple of glasses of Coke. You know, See what happens. I'll channel up. Then something good comes on. Or maybe nothing good comes on. And you're all, am I stuck on the fucking goodies? <laughs> <laughs> Me and a friend have talked about this at length. We've talked about this at length. Of hangover films. The way we phrase them is like, when you're hungover, you need a nice, safe film. Song that's not too intense, but, but not like but really stupid as well. There can't be any stakes. 
Yeah, exactly. He can't be all, oh, no, he's going to die. Oh, no, no, he's going to die. Nothing with, like, violent imagery or anything. Yeah. It's just too much. But, see, violence and thrillers are kind of... I couldn't do that. Violence and thrillers are kind of out the window when you're really fucked and you feel like a bag of balls on the sofa. So you're looking for someone that's kind of nice and it's just got a nice flow to it. That's what I was trying to get in the conversation. Like, what is this back, right? What I think is right. It can't be... It can't be overly dramatic. Yeah. Right? I know, you don't want But it can't furniture. be shite either. Yeah. You have to care. You have to have a drive. You have, a, you have to have right. an art of drive. That's what I think, is you have to care, but you also, you have to know that they're going to come out of it okay at the end. There can't be any, yeah. the stakes aren't too high. Yeah, it can't be a downer end. You know, like, and, uh, I mean, even, even, if, even if you haven't seen it, you have to know by the whole aesthetic of film it, that boy's definitely coming out on top of the end. Yeah. And one way or another, I mean, you can push you even more. Oh. See, that, that's why I would say, for for me, anytime I'm hungover, I'm looking at animations. I'm looking at, like, Pixar. I'm looking yeah. at Disney. I tried to watch Spurred It Away one time when I was hungover. Oh, and <laughs> well, yeah. that's a bit of a different uh, story. There's certain animations uh, that maybe don't count that. It's about they fucking end it all, just... Just... just <laughs> Just as, just as like a side punch the own ticket. Just you fucking hanging there holding the DVD cover of Spirit Away. <laughs> <Sorry>. You lied! <laughs> just as a side point, I think as well it kind of depends on the, like, the extent of the hangover. There's yeah. like a small hangover where you can kind of get through certain things and then there's, there's that big See, fuck off I, hangover. I the Goonies is a perfect one. Goonies is a perfect one, but I mean... I, I don't know if I could do with Sloth one. <laughs> Oh, I love that big fucking bogging face. He's know, actually just generally scary. I think people laugh at me for saying this because he's so well known now, but he's fucking hard. Oh, that's a That's what I'm saying. You want to be genuine and trust, and you, you want to. I mean, that's, that's, that's an amount. If you haven't seen it before, you go, like, oh. but then you just know that boy has a heart of gold, and then Chunk's there, and he's just all, ah, he's like Chunk's best friend. It's just that's heartwarming around there, and that's sweet. I know, no. he, and I, I'm not I saying think, he's not a nice guy. It's just I, could, I couldn't do it. Look, why watch your hangover films? I think no. Well, see, I can't pick one because that's what I'm saying. It depends on the extent of the hangover. Well, I have no particular order. <sighs> just say you're hungover as balls. The worst hungover you've ever been. What do you point need to like, Point break. Oh, point break's a good that's one. That's a good one. one. Like, I'd say. Uh, Especially if you've seen it a bunch of times. Like, I you just any you know, stakes you're going. It's 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 like a safety blanket. You just fucking wrap it around just yourself. Before you before you say yours, another one is that <coughs> right. No stakes. Whatever happens, uh, uh, no stakes. Uh, is and they're all going to come out of well, or uh, you've seen it a million times, and you know what's going to fumble- happen. Even if there are stakes, you know what they. Yeah, it's, you're is. familiar with it. You're I so think, familiar with I it. I think that that's a massive know? thing with uh, hangover films that you have to be from like I think that yeah. most times you're hungover it's very very rare that you'll watch a film you haven't watched before uh, because you're not quite sure how it's going to pan uh, out and it can maybe at about anywhere. 9 o'clock when you're feeling a bit you're feeling a bit rusty like. <laughs> <laughs> you're half and half when that poison starts to drain out I think that I need to get that last that bad demons out just and just you know, challenge myself yeah, about a fucking hardcore drama <laughs> one for me is Ed Wood it's again a strange one really? Ed Wood yeah, yeah, one, because when you actually look at Ed Wood there's no real stakes on the line. It's just a director who's shit. <laughs> but it's, it's like actually, a kind of comedic look. If you actually think about Ed Wood, you know, as an, a character line, he's almost like a Lenny of my Man. He's actually just, he's just a straight line the whole way through yep. it. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't, you know, pretend that he's not somebody else or something. He just goes, yeah, so this, you know, this is who I am. So I, I sort And because of, of Depp's, because of his performance as well, he makes Ed Wood, I mean, I, I know I got a bit of criticism because apparently Ed Wood wasn't that kind of nice and lovable at times. And he did go through like a kind of really bad alcoholic stage, but obviously it's, it's streamlined out in the film. 
but he's so lovable in the film. And because it's kind of focusing on this B-movie nafness, and obviously if, if the listener doesn't know who Edward is, he's kind of renowned as like the worst director ever. He done like 50s B-movies called like Plan Lane from Outer Space and Glen or Glenda, and they are just particularly fucking awful. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like really, really yeah. bad. But like it, he is the definition of so bad it's good. But going off that on the Hangover films, I just want to go on the always sidebar about talking about the extent of, of Hangovers and, and how certain films that would not affect you in everyday life affect you when you're hungover. I have a friend, I'm not sure if I told you this before, but she texted me one day, we were out the night before drinking and getting oh, fucking... Oh, I've said this on the podcast. Have I said like, this on the podcast? Go, go ahead and say it. Yeah, fuck it, I'll bring it up, but uh, she basically... It might have been in the tester. It might have been in the tester, <laughs> if not, we can call it. But she texted me the day after a night of drinking and she was all... Watching Cole Williams, how do you whack it off? Because I can't stop crying. <laughs> oh, and let's be honest, we the stakes in Cole Williams are not that high. It's about a Jamaican bobsled team. Nobody really gives a fuck if they get there now. Like it's just the fact that they showed up. That's the main thing. Oh. <laughs> right. I think everybody just has the cold cut. Say, watch your Hangover film. I will start with. Sorry, somebody else, not me. Yet. I'm thinking. Calm there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll start with Sean Coyle. Ah, oh, fuck, I said I would. I really don't have one that. A nice. Do you know what? Film. Shawshank's a good one, too. Oh, I don't think Just I rip. I, 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 don't think I, I don't think I could do it with Shawshank. I think that's what I'm saying. You've, seen, beauty, it a, you've seen it a million times and you know what's happening, so you can suffer yeah, through it. Yeah. It's the beauty of their relationship, no, too. It's that Frank Darabont, that fucking way of shooting and all there. There's something so romantic at all. Like, Stand By Me, even you know, if you haven't seen the ending, or if you have seen the ending, you've seen it a million times, Stand By Me has a great kind of, oh, fuck, is it, you know, whatever. Mm. Or, or... For a person said, or, don't come to him, you're fucking naming off ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're rolling out ones. Right. Or, Speed. Speed? <laughs> speed <laughs> is a fucking perfect hangover film. I, think I you love just had, Speed. You just had the holy grail with Speed. Right? <laughs> Definitely. Speed is the best film ever. <laughs> right, I've got one. Whoa, I've got one. Okay, Go. I finally want you on my head. Uh, I oh, think speed. It, it could be any of the three, but I would just say rather... The Fellowship of the Ring of the Two Towers because I'm so oh, familiar I've definitely done that in the hangover like because I'm so familiar because I love the characters but it's 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 violence but it's kind of Sith PG violence you know what I mean I'd say specifically the Fellowship yeah it's because that's when they all get so together and are, come on you bunch of bastards get out there but are, are you just scouting Return of the King because the spiders show up <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah that Wait, is, what do you call Sheba she, 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 because it's about fucking two weeks long I think, I know, and my final point for my hangover film, the reason that I would choose Lord of the Rings as well is obviously when you're hungover and you're, you're fuck lying on the sofa, you don't really want to move that much. And because Lord of the Rings lasts so long, oh, you can just not lie there. Groundhog Day. Oh, it's oh, fucking oh, magic. Yes. I'm like, yes. Oh. Michael, yours? No, Dawn. Yours? No, Dawn's? I have two in Bruges and Krull. Oh. In Bruges, I'm aware of it. In, in, in Bruges. Krull, it's Krull, the one with the, the mask on the face and all the... It's, a, it's kind of like a sci-fi fantasy. Aye. Yeah. Uh, but it's very... Uh, it, it's like some of the graphics are quite lo-fi in it. No, it's like very digitally... What was it? Was it about 15 years ago? 20 years no, ago? No, gee, I was about... This was like 70, I think. It was Liam Neeson. He was like 19, isn't it? Oh, it's a completely different film, man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just pulled that out but of the It's just a, it's like one of those really classic... You know when the music... The music was by like James Corner, so that kind of... Is this so soothing? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think of, James but th- there's another interesting point. Do you think it's maybe even because of one element of the film? Like maybe it's because of the music? That that's 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 the way it looks, it's the way it looks as well. It's that classic old look to it. That filmic like, look. Aye. That graded look. Yeah. And there, are, there is definitely... The, so, the, there's, uh, so why in Bruges then? 
in Bruges. In Bruges for me, it's, it's like really, if I'm hungover, I like watching a bleak fucking film. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just something, something really grey and just no, dull. I'm just like, it that's, that's okay. enjoyable there. I fucking love in Bruges. It's a weird thing. I mean, there's probably studies been done. This is Heron's way of saying he doesn't know what he's about to talk about. It's just like Heron's like goes on, you know, he's going native here. What was I doing? What was I doing? And then you're kind of going out there going, he's happy days, no? And then fucking someone else comes on, probably Indiana Jones. Well, but but as your but more stakes at the thing, but you know, he gets out right in the end. You get on a bit more, you get on a bit more. But then sometimes it's, you just you just want as Don says you just I want something a wee bit more. And I think <laughs> especially when I was you know back when I wasn't freelancing, I was just back before that, and I was just right in the job on a Monday morning. I just wanted something really what would you say sobering uh, at the end of the night. I, I, I just, just to just bring just you right bring you back, back around and just be like right uh, back yeah. happy days work tomorrow. Well not happy uh, days work tomorrow but uh, <laughs> it <was> just sort <laughs> of wake a fuck up. It's like the booze get all sucked up into this hanging or it's all right this is it just comes long. out your able. So what what's what's that last film of the night, the one that really pushes you dramatically? As in the oh, one well, that released I was gonna say my hangover film is Mulan. Really? I fucking oh, that's love a good fucking shit, actually. Yeah. Oh, it does not make me feel like Disney. It's, no, but just it's so easy to watch and it's the best Disney soundtrack. Mm. Fuck off if you disagree. And, <laughs> and you just have Eddie Murphy doing his thing. You've talked about Mulan before in your, 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 your deep love for I, I think Mulan is my favourite Disney film. Ah, and I, it's just it's I criticised awesome. you on a recent podcast for uh, it not being like The Lion King or something like that but no, there's a lot of fucking ch- Mulan's a really, really good film. I like though what you were saying about building up, like Dang. you could, uh, you could start right. up. For example, I've got one just, 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 just to be if people understand it. Uh, for example, loving other drugs. Yeah, to me, is one of these things where it has enough charm, but at the same time, as it goes on, the issue does push you in the dramatic. Really, things. I've never seen that film. It's, it's I, a I, very good film. Right? I thought, I thought it was just like a bullshit rom com kind of thing. Uh, no, it's not. No, it's not more than that. No, it's very good. Yeah. That's Jake Gyllenhaal and Hathaway, man. Yep. Yeah. As a final point and a warning to the listener, I was lying in a house one day when I was a shooting back in Belfast and we were fucking... <laughs> just, just sorry, a random sorry house. Just, just Sean Coyle's face is making me disgusted with, about what he's about to say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what he's going to say. Yeah. No, it's so, that's, the best, that's the best part. Like. I'm, just, I'm just scared about what he's about to it's say. It's not even that bad, but me, obviously it was a shooting. We live in this house in Belfast. Went out one night, me and my fucking two friends were lying on the sofa and we're all fucked you know what I mean and it was the perfect opportunity to put on a nice Sith hangover film yeah. and my friend suggested The Exorcist <laughs> it's like what the fuck off fuck off I... <laughs> but anyway why would you put that on I know <laughs> what fucking Maverick suggested that when he said it I thought he was taking a piss and he was like dead fucking locked on to watch Exorcist but anyway moving on is it recommendations uh, yeah let's let's go to your recommendations here's recommendations uh, I do, but I feel like I'm always going first. So maybe somebody else wants to take this. Host, uh, you want to take this? I'll, I'll, I'll fucking, I'll fucking recommend it. <laughs> I'll <laughs> recommend it. That's, He's going I, on dry. That's, that's probably a word. Uh, my recommendation. Oh, I dropped my straw. Uh, uh, my recommendation is Big Nothing, ah. starring David Schwimmer and Sam Pegg and a woman that I can't remember the name of. <laughs> that's not sexist at all. <laughs> I know. I know. It's terrible. <laughs> Sorry, tell us one. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's 
It's, I think it's a really overlooked film. It's a kind of dark, kind of crime caper kind of thing. Sort of, uh, is is uh, David Schwimmer and Sam Pegg. Sam Pegg. Like, uh, they, they, they must be really good friends. They obviously done a few things together. But, uh, like, they did Run Fat Boy Run as yeah, well. It was a dreadful film, but anyway. But do they oh, yeah, I, I think I think it's, 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 There's a bigger problem. <laughs> but anyway, we'll not go back on that. It's just nice and light, you know? No, yeah, they, they did Run That's Fat Boy Run after... <laughs> After yeah, I just, uh, I just it, so like nothing, Anyways. but yeah, it's it's Sam Pegg doing an American accent, and he's he's he he came loads away for it as well. I don't yeah. know if he specifically did it for the role or if he just happened to get fat and decided to play American. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! No, the America's against this <laughs> controversial. Yet an all lost Michael Breslin versus America. <laughs> but yeah, no, Sam Pegg's really good on it, and he plays he plays. A really good American, like he, the voice and whatnot, and he's fat. And this uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, all the cut out. <laughs> no, but yeah, no. The reason I really like the film is because it's it's a kind of like comedy of errors kind of thing. Like yeah. It just gets worse and worse and worse. But uh, David Schwimmer, which is. Like everybody just thinks of him as Ross and really kind of one-dimensional yeah. as the Ross character. He's great in Entourage, though. I've never actually seen him. I've seen him in no, Thirty Rock. Where he, he, was, he was great. Though, I've seen him in Thirty Rock when he was well, like he, put himself he, he was like Captain Green or something. He was like mental. <laughs> oh, no, but uh, he's great in Bad too. You see? Oh well, obviously he was kind of like Ross. He was a bit Rossy. But um, yeah, it's like he he does play a Ross esque character, but he's David Schwimmer is really good in that film, and uh, Sam Pegg's really good, in it, and the girl's really good. In it. I can't remember her name. I apologize. <laughs> And it's it is just a dark comedy of errors, and it's just a, a it's a really enjoyable film. Possibly when you're hungover at nine o'clock at night, you should judge yourself. <laughs> Who wants to go next? Uh, I got one. I've got the thumb red line. <laughs> I know, oh, but fuck, I oh, I if, if there's ever a film that wasn't a hangover film, it is the Thun Red Line. But my recommendation for this week is that uh, huge Terrence Malick fan. I, I would, <laughs> I would equally just recommend like the Tree of Life or uh, uh, To the Wonder. Jeez, like, I got all that stuff there. But the Thun Red Line is a fucking absolutely unbelievable film. Now most people look at the Thun Red Line. And I think the reason I got all that flack at the time is because most people, as it was you know released around the same time as Saving Private Ryan, thought it was going to be this really kind of intense, action-focused war film about World War Two. Whereas, and you'll know through any other Terrence Malick film, it is all about humanity and it's all about people and it's all about war's effect on nature and and, and what it does to a person. It was way more. Uh, Intimates, there's not a lot of great battle scenes. There's one excellent kind of battle scene in the middle that uh, is, is set to fucking incredible music. Yeah. But it's one of the Malik films I've never actually seen. Hey, I love Malik. I tried to lend you it a couple weeks ago. I have it in DVD in the house and I think you would absolutely <laughs> love it. So I'm just going to recommend to you and then obviously right. the listener. But it is unbelievably well written. It's one of the finest scripts I've ever wrote. It did get a bit of criticism because uh, people were saying these are supposed to be like American GAs and yeah. they wouldn't be this eloquent and they wouldn't be this kind of well spoken. But it is just, I, I mm. it's one of the few films that I can actually just not even see the images and Aye. listen to because the dialogue is almost poetic. Aye. It is actually almost poetic. Well, it's this thing, it's, it's a weird thing you said, right? And it, it was one of the things that uh, Christopher Plummer spoke about the new world when he made it. Because mm-hmm. Christopher Plummer was, was meant to appear in that film a lot more yeah. as a general and stuff. And he, and what ended up happening is because they, they, they shot so much of it and they overshot mm. it, but I suppose. 
But what happened was Christopher Palmer said I was doing the, some of the best acting of my career, yeah. redoing it. And, and what happened was they shot this sequence and they recorded it. But what happened is actually the audio got actually moved and moved into the background. And that whole scene was never in it. And Christopher Palmer was made smaller. And I mean, it's a classic example of the film being made in the edit. We're just going to shoot all these things. And what happened was even George Clooney, Christopher Plummer, and a few people who were in like an Oscar roundtable having yep. an interview. And because George Clooney and Plummer had been in a Terrence Malick film, yep. they were just discussing this. And uh, Christopher Plummer was like, I will never work with Terrence Malick ever again, or whatever else. Even though he's not English, but he's one of them. <laughs> English speaking Americans. Yeah, sort that, of that transatlantic uh, accent. Exactly. But uh, Clooney, uh, I mean, he was open and open about it, and, and he was saying that. Uh, what happened with Thin Red Line is what when they started off when they read the script it was meant to be centered on one character, but what ended up happening and they edit because they overshot and not overshot I think Terrence Malick's style is it's not called overshooting he just he just shoots a lot mm-hmm. and then he just he, he figures it out in the edit what he thinks is the strongest storyline to go through it because he develops all of them, but uh, what the original characters maybe based around wasn't what it ended up being they ended up centered around I think it was John Caviezel or something like that yeah Jim, 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 Caviezel, Jim, Jim, Jim Caviezel's right. character is, is definitely uh, I mean like there, there's so many desperate characters or Jim Caviezel's character is definitely the main focus but just to wrap this up it's a perfect example of having a gigantic cast which we were just talking about yeah. and really fucking some huge A-listers yeah. on there and some A-listers like George Clooney has has role in the film is literally cut there by 30 mm-hmm. seconds but it's a phenomenally moving film it focuses on humanity it focuses on how disgusting war really is. And I think it is one of the best films, maybe besides Common See, to really get across just how fucked up war is and the, 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 the human effects that it does have. So, yeah, that's my recommendation for this week. It's uh, Alice Eve and By Nothing, just to put it out there. She's she's awesome in the film as well. It's really is a three-piece between her, Sam Pegg, and David Schwimmer. Uh, Heron, you have a recommendation. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, uh, if, you, if you don't inspire me, give me No, one. no, I've got one. Um, it's... Ash and Diamond, it's a Polish film. Uh, the only reason it reminds me, uh, the only reason that it comes to mind is because I watched this film a while ago and Scorsese always used to talk about it. And uh, one of the, the famous images of Ash and Diamonds, it's like a low shot on the street. And it's one of the main characters has just uh, killed someone and fireworks go off in the background, like about about a street away, like a firework shoots off, and it's just a, just a beautifully framed shot, right? And the reason it comes to mind is because I was, uh, I recently bought a copy of Gangs in New York. It was a film I didn't really like originally, and just eventually sort of come to like. And so the reason I bought Gangs in New York was just to watch the features, special features and all. I just want to, I've, I've since actually become a real fan of that film. And uh, it was just this shot that was in one of these features, and it was Daniel Day-Lewis, walking into a scene and the firework going off yeah, in almost the exact same frame as Ashes and Diamonds this Polish film it just reminded me of Ashes and Diamonds and because I knew it was a Scorsese favourite you know it, it's no mistake that that's on there uh-huh. and so Ashes and Diamonds is a black and white film set just after the war has ended in Germany and uh, they're obviously going into the more Russian side of things and this kind of stuff and it, it's a bit of an interim period film but it's set in a town in Poland, and these two guys are thinking about assassinating somebody, and uh, there's a bit of a bit of an f up at the start of the film, and uh, whatever ends up happening then is it pretty much determines the rest of the film, and uh, it's a beautifully shot film, beautifully acted, and the main character was always seen as like a sort of a slightly Polish James Dean, 
Oh, he had the glasses and this kind of thing and all. And uh, did he clearly have a cause but claimed not there as well? I probably didn't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> right, Don, what are you? I'm gonna recommend uh, Apocalypse Now. Oh. Which is, is a nice contrast to the one that I recommend. Yeah, I was saying yeah. that. But the thing that kind of freaks me out is the reason why I bring this up and want to recommend this kind of an older film is uh, I was talking to this kid like a, a couple of months ago and he was talking about like bands he would listen to nowadays. I recommended something like, it was like Thin Lizzy or something. He's all, that's too old, I won't listen to that. Yeah. And that kind yeah. of freaked me out. That could apply to films yeah, as well. Oh, these miniature fucking people. So I'm going to recommend uh, Apocalypse. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, like, that, 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 that's definitely a thing <laughs> that's... Uh, it always kind of grabs me too because I know a lot of people who will refuse to watch a film if it's like made before like 1990 mm. or they'll refuse to watch a film if it's black and white yeah, and like uh, fair enough I mean each their own and, and people have their own tastes but I mean I think I've said before like you know variety is the spice of life so you know mm. just, just just give these things a go and you, See, maybe you'll find right. out something that you didn't you know one, one think like, I, I love Coppola and I love well Coppola it sounds terrible to say it but Coppola when he, when he fucking when he's given the opportunity to do it right and this kind of stuff and all, he, he can he can really bring it home, man. And it's just, I mean, obviously the pop-ups now is like notoriously an over budget and over schedule and this kind of thing, film and all. And I read so many books about it, and I suppose just when I exchange a couple of fucking interesting facts, is that you try to step in on Don's corner. Hey. <laughs> Don's no, what I'm, I'm saying about well. I must have, sorry, am I, am I? Oh, no, I'm taking my hand. Sorry, I read a book about the making of it and this kind of thing and all, and because, uh, you know, you had John Milius, uh, Francis Coppola, Steven Spielberg, and all these guys, and they were all hanging around the same circles and this kind of thing, and George Lucas as well, and what happened is they were adapting, uh, they were adapting uh, Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness, right. and Orson Welles always wanted to adapt that as well. But they thought, you know, hopefully if we give her the chance, we'll adapt Heart of Darkness. And what happened is they always wanted George Lucas to direct it, this adaptation. And they want to set it for the modern, do something with it mm-hmm. and this kind of stuff. What happened then, as it came to it, no one was trying to get money for it and this kind of thing. George Lucas says, no, I'm not doing it. That's not what I want to do. And George Lucas says, eventually, says, no, I'm actually making an adaptation of it as well. And... Uh, the adaptation he has is Star Wars, yeah. which is yeah. interesting because I uh, really did not think I was an influence on Star Wars. I've heard of so many other influences, I, like like the kind of B movie aspect. No, and the he, says, films. he says the Vietnamese are the rebels and the Empire is America. Fucking hell! Yeah, that's really that's, that's a really interesting mm. fact. But is there anything else you want to say about Pocket Play? No, that's it. That's all. That's all. That's Michael, set us wrapped. Uh, just let me finish it, pouring this drink <laughs> with, with my cigar in my mouth. <laughs> it's a straw, I promise, Mom. Um, <laughs> okay, we'll wrap it up there. So, oh, sorry, did I interrupt you? I was going to say, I was going to go on the one about Brando. Hold that shit. Uh, we'll just go on the one for a crack. I go for that. Quick, quick, on the one. Well, you gotta go ahead. Right. I mean, oh, she yeah, has I to go. Right, just, no, I know. No. Right, <laughs> quickly. At the fucking uh, The thing that actually tarred my brush of, of, of Brando was just, uh, just made me think of Brando in a certain way. It was just specifically that film. Um, I mean, Coppola had him on The Godfather, and he was The Godfather. He got the Oscar for it and all this here, and he did obviously didn't give a fuck enough about the Oscar. Which he refused. Of course, yeah. Yeah, the Native American. But then he did this film. He showed up three weeks late. Uh, he hadn't learned the script yeah. and Coppola said do you want to read off the script he said I'm not doing that yeah. and he said do you want to read from the book and he says I'm not doing that either Yeah. but then he started read. he started reading poetry I'm not going to quote the poem because I don't remember the exact thing but what happened then was uh, 
it just is. I'm going to improvise the whole thing. Yeah. And it's kind of... As much as, okay, like, let actors get up their doing, it just seems like he did not give one fuck for yeah. the whole production. <laughs> yeah. And I know, I mean, I know it's like, you know, uh, maybe fuck the system, you know, I'm better on this or something like a yeah. and all that. That's sometimes an attitude. But at the same time, I mean... I always feel that Capo's under so much fucking pressure that film was over budget over time and this kind of thing it's like oh come on just well, fucking sort this out it's one of the few films and I think you can see it in his performance I can see it I don't think it's vacant because of fucking the way the character is I think it's vacant because it just looks like he's literally fucking phoning it in it's good, it's <laughs> good. and annoys the fuck out of me watching yeah. it it's knowing good. that story maybe that story is hard by me to the film but just watching him it just looks like he does not give a fuck no it's a kind of strange as thing as a character and a man just the, the quickly wrap up I agree fucks me off <laughs> I agree and disagree with you because first of all one thing I will say is that I, I really like his performance as Kurtz but at the same time it could come across as him just really not giving a fuck about yeah. being in there one thing as all, as well, which just shows us kind of how unprofessional he was, is Kurtz in the book is supposed to be tall and gaunt, and Brando landed, and he was about fucking ten stone. Oh, so that was in our one his demands. Yeah, he says you have to shoot him in darkness. Like, that's the reason uh, they had to shoot him in darkness I because obviously he was so overweight. <laughs> like, luckily it ended up being a fucking cracker hey, statement. Yeah, yeah. It adds to the film. <laughs> but what's in there? There's one more. Aye, you know what the, the last line? The horror, the horror. Uh. That shot wasn't in his contract. Or it was just beyond his contract. So that shot... Sorry. That's my phone. Sorry, Sean calls his phone every week. Mm. But that <laughs> shot, the horror, the horror... I can't remember the exact amount. But I think that shot cost something like $30,000. Just that shot. Him on the ground. Jesus he said that's without a contract. I have to lie on the ground. Shit, the horror, the horror. That close-up of him. I think that was an extra amount of money that they didn't need to spend. <laughs> Rebel Bill. Colin Hearn's currently on the floor chasing his phone. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, exit at the tent. Okay, and we'll wrap it up there, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to get in contact with us, you can find us on Facebook at Let's Talk More Movies Podcast. If you want to find us on Twitter, it's at Talk More Movies. Plus, you can email us at Let's Talk More Movies at gmail.com. Also, you can subscribe, leave us comments, reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, any podcast service you use. Thank you so much for listening. I've been your host, Michael Breslin. Don McLennan has been Don McLennan. Sean Coyle has been Sean Coyle. Colm Heron has been Colm Heron. Thank you so much for listening. Good night. Hey. Bye-bye. Yeah. done. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.